You're listening to Star Wars The Saga Continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery and Tim Jirasi, are scouring the Holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed, so we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Always in motion is the future. This is just the beginning. You'll find I'm full of surprises. It's not over yet. No. There is another. Hey there, Star Wars fans. You're listening to episode 35 of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all things related to Star Wars Episode 7 and Rebels and all the other exciting big upcoming projects in the Star Wars universe. And as always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I've got my co-host, Tim, with me. How's it going, Tim? Hey, Kyle. I'm doing great. In the immortal words of Darth Vader... This is a day long remembered. We finally, finally got the big official official casting announcement. And man, I think after we got the announcement of the Clone Wars of Lost Missions, this was the next big thing that we were expecting and couldn't wait for it. And it's finally here, and I'm super excited to talk about it. Yeah, I mean, we've been doing this podcast now for a little over, or about a year and a half, um, yeah. talking about you know, episode seven and speculating on all these casting rumors and the speculation is over. We finally know who's going to be in it, but uh, we're actually going to get to this a little bit later in the show, talking about, um, you know, all the different actors that have been announced and sort of breaking it down individually and giving our thoughts and uh, wondering who might be playing what character and all that kind of stuff. Um, We will say right up front, we finally got confirmation that the big three are returning Han, Luke and Leia. Well, we think it's Han, Luke and Leia. We just know that Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill are returning. They haven't said who's playing what character, but I think we, uh, we all know who those three are going to be as well as Peter Mayhew and Kenny Baker and Anthony Daniels. So, um, but before we get to the rest of the casting discussion, we've got um, some other big news from uh, the end of last week that sort of pertains to all this. So we're going to cover this stuff first which is that we finally got some official uh, sort of clarification from Lucasfilm on this whole new uh, story group that they've created to sort of monitor um, all the different new Star Wars story content and what they're doing with the EU and what's canon, what's not canon. Um, So they put out this big press release on, uh, I believe this was last Friday, the 25th, and um, basically, you know, talk about what they've been doing with this story group and what they're going to do going forward. But it's, it sounds to me and Tim, maybe you, uh, got a slightly different impression or I don't know, because to me, this didn't still quite clarify everything, but I think the gist of it is that everything in the EU up to this point isn't necessarily canon. I mean, some of it might not be contradicted some of it it sounds like will be overwritten by the new movies but basically i mean what it boils down to is they're saying that anything created by george lucas so the original six star wars films and the clone wars tv series and then um pretty much anything going forward that is uh, sort of passed through this lucasfilm story group is going to be what's considered canon um so anything basically anything by George Lucas or by you know anything that's sort of like officially Lucasfilm sanctioned from here on out but all the stuff you know all the novels and comics and video games and stuff that came before that 
um, is going to be, you know, that's all sort of considered the expanded universe. It's not necessarily canon. And they also um, did, you know, very specifically clarified that episodes seven, eight, and nine will not tell the same story as the uh, expanded universe stories that happen, you know, that take place after Return of the Jedi. So um, they're moving in a different direction there. They will continue to still, um, you know, leave the current EU novels and things like that in circulation under this new Legends banner. Um, So it's sort of, I guess, bundling all this stuff up and sort of paying homage to this sort of past era of Star Wars. And from this point forward, they've got this story group that is going to sort of monitor all these new stories and stuff. They're still going to have novels and comic books and video games and all that, but it's all going to fit together. They're going to make sure that it is all canon and none of it is contradicting anything. And it's all sort of lining up to the same vision. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, I mean, I know there's been sort of some mixed reaction to it, especially for fans of the EU who are, sort of, you know, have different levels of how they feel about um, all the old stuff uh, sort of being put aside. But at least I'm glad that from now on, everything is going to be more unified and more streamlined and all sort of tying in together. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. I mean, overall, this was an an announcement that got me excited for all the future upcoming Star Wars novels, video games, comics, and all that stuff. And I get how there was a good portion of fans who were disappointed about this news and some who even say they were done with Star Wars because all the time and I guess money they put into these stories of the EU isn't considered canon anymore. And like you said, they didn't specifically say that in the press release where like this anything that was written before episode seven or all before the new movies comes out is no longer canon. They didn't actually say that. They just pretty much said that the new movies will not be based off any of the existing novel novels that were out in the past. So, I mean, you can read the writing on the wall, though, even though they didn't specifically say that. But I think there's really more positive in here than negative. And for me personally, I was never a big EU guy. I didn't read too many books post-Return of the Jedi. I did read a few that were, like, uh, pre-prequel era and, like, during the prequel era. Not too many, like, during the original trilogy era and post-Return of the Jedi. So I think now it's definitely a good thing that I didn't read too many post-Jedi EU books since none of them are going to be... Uh, in canon anymore with the new movies so but this i'm excited for the future like you said the new books that we're going to get and just video games comics anything new star wars is all going to be in the same universe in the same canon we don't have to worry about oh is this canon now is this in it is this going to contradict what happened here or where does this fit in so that's definitely great and and we'll talk about it later but the new announcements of the books we got that's part of the excitement is knowing that these are definitely in the same universe, same canon as the movies and Clone Wars and Rebels was going to be. It's all going to be connected. So not having to worry about that is just a great thing. And I, So overall, I'm just excited with the announcement when it happened on Friday. And it was something that we already knew was probably going to happen. So I wouldn't say I was shocked or surprised by it, but I'm just glad that it finally did happen. And I said this on Friday, too, that we had to get this announcement first before we got the official episode seven casting announcement. So there wouldn't be any question as to who was this actor playing Jaina Solo or Jason Solo or Ben Skywalker, or who are they playing or any confusion with that. Now we know they're not going to be playing those characters and they're not going to be connected to any pre-existing EU story. So it's all pretty much left to us to, until they announce who they're playing to speculate on just what new characters are going to be and not just already knowing, okay, this person is Jane and Jason and Ben uh, Solo and Skywalker. So this news had to come first, in my opinion, and little did we know that a few days later we would get the official casting announcement. But 
it was a pretty big deal. I mean, like I said, there was tons of EU fans out there and for better or for worse, depending on your point of view on the whole matter, it's going to, it's a big thing, a big shakeup in the star Wars universe. That's for sure. And one thing that just comes to my mind where as far as Canon and being upset that certain stories don't matter anymore. One thing that's helping me through it, because there's been stories before that I've read in comics that have been changed a bit from the clone wars. But if there's a story that you really love, that doesn't necessarily have a big contradiction to any of the movies or Clone Wars or, or Rebels or an upcoming sequel trilogy. Like, there's no big contradiction with them. Even though it's now part of the legend banner, you could still have it be part of your own personal canon. I think that's just the best way to look at it. And not everyone kind of agrees with that. I know some just like to have and make sure that it's officially in canon. But when you create your own personal canon, as long as it doesn't contradict with any big story points from the movies, it really makes it a lot much easier to take because... That's kind of how I'm viewing it. Just until like certain stories that I really love, like the Darth Bane novels, for example, until those get contradicted somewhere down the line with future movies, I'm still going to put that in my personal canon and with some other stories that I know of. So I just think uh, that's probably the best way to look at it or try to view this whole thing in your fandom. Just try to take the stuff. As Yoda kind of, I think Yoda said it best when Luke asked him about the cave, what's in there? Yoda says, tells him, only what you take with you. So regarding canon and Star Wars universe, just only take with you what you believe is your personal canon, what you love the most. So, yeah, it's a big shakeup in the Star Wars universe, but overall I think it's one for the best. Yeah, and, you know, I agree with you 100% about what you're saying with the, you know, holding on to the stories that you love and still sort of slotting those into your own personal canon as long as they're not contradicted by anything because i mean as far as what's not canon anymore yeah the only thing they said was the only thing they really specifically said was that the the episode seven eight and nine which will be canon are not going to tell the same stories as the post uh, return of the jedi novels and things from the expanded universe but then they also kind of laid out that the only thing Pretty much the only stuff up to this point that's officially considered canon is the Star Wars movies and the Clone Wars series. So, you know, by by that definition, you can say that, like, all the other comics and novels and video games and stuff aren't officially canon. But again, they haven't been overwritten yet. So, like you were saying yeah. with the Darth Bane novels or, I mean, for me, I'm a big fan of the Old Republic and Knights of the Old Republic and that whole era – you know, regardless of whether or not Pablo Hidalgo and Leland Chi and these official story people, you know, whether or not they say that's officially canon, there's nothing within the universe and within those stories to prove that it's not canon because there's not something, you know, sort of bigger and more important that overwrites that. So, I mean, for now, we can still enjoy a lot of these stories that haven't been contradicted yet. I think part of the purpose of sort of putting this legends label on it and saying like, Hey, here's what's canon. Here's what's not canon is so that when they come out with, um, you know, seven, eight, nine, and if they're going to make new books or video games or spinoff movies or whatever, that are going to contradict some of this stuff that, you know, they have the creative freedom to not restrict themselves to telling the exact same stories that are told in the EU novels and stuff like that. And when they come out and it is a different story, people aren't going to say like, whoa, why did you just, you know, retcon this book or this comic or whatever? It's like, because we already said that wasn't officially canon. So we've got, you know, our creative freedom to do whatever we want to at that time period. Um, and again, I think that's a good thing because the the movies and 
TV shows and whatever they're going to do from here on out. I think that stuff should take priority and, you know, we don't have to worry about all these little, you know, nagging continuity issues and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I think for now there's still a lot of stuff out there that fans can still enjoy. And like you said, it doesn't, it's not hugely important whether it's officially considered canon or not. If you still enjoy it, then just continue to enjoy it. Exactly. Yeah. I don't want to make it sound like where, whoever was a big fan of the EU, especially because the main focus here is the stories that happened before or after Return of the Jedi, like the Thrawn trilogy and the new Jedi Order, all that stuff that's happened afterwards. Because I know there's been fans who invested a lot of time and the money and disinvested themselves into those stories that uh, really enjoyed it. And I guess for them, it's their ideal example of what happened after Return of the Jedi. So for those fans who are disappointed about that, I do get it and understand it. But I think at the same time, too, it's important to realize that Lucasfilm, they had to do this in order to do the new trilogy. And in my opinion, having a new trilogy and a set of movies outweighs uh, the importance of having uh, certain books and stories in canon. And I'm sure there's going to be some who disagree with me on that. But so, I mean, this Star Wars, its main thing is about movies. I mean, that's where it all started. That's what it's all about to me. And of course, having these other stories are great and adds to it. But when it comes down to the movie, that's the most important thing. So uh, even though it might be difficult to accept for some fans, it's I just think it's something that really had to be done by Lucasfilm in order to do this. And also, I have to give props to one of my friends on Twitter, uh, Paul Herman. We actually had a little bit going as far as if the Thrawn trilogy would be in canon or not, or be part of the story for the sequel trilogy. I was always under the impression that, no, it's not. Don't count on that. He had a feeling that it's an important story, even though it's EU, that they're going to take elements from that and put it in the sequel trilogy. And when this uh, news came out, he had to suck it up and uh, take a picture of himself holding the sign that he was wrong and I was right. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't give a props for that to keep it in his end of the deal. But yeah, it's definitely going to be geez, an exciting future going on with Star Wars and these stories. Even though there's going to be some disappointment, I think in the long run, hopefully those fans who are disappointed will end up uh, being pleased with what's going to come down the line. Not just with the movies, but with new books and comics and all new stories that we're going to get with Star Wars. I just think in the end, it's all going to be for the best. Yeah, well, and you know what? You might have to end up going back on that bet, Tim, once we actually see Episode 7 and how the story plays out. Because uh, I'm going to read this one part of the press release here, and this is kind of, uh, I guess you could say, a silver lining for um, you know fans of the EU who are kind of disappointed by this. But uh, I'll just read this whole paragraph out of the out of the press release here. And it says, In order to give maximum creative freedom to the filmmakers and also preserve an element of surprise and discovery for the audience, Star Wars Episodes 7 through 9 will not tell the same story told in the post-return of the Jedi Expanded Universe. While the universe that readers knew is changing, it is not being discarded. Creators of new Star Wars entertainment have full access to the rich content of the Expanded Universe. For example, elements of the EU are included in Star Wars Rebels. The Inquisitor, the Imperial Security Bureau, and Sinar Fleet Systems are story elements in the new animated series, and all these ideas find their origins in role-playing game material published in the 1980s. So, I mean, this is one of those things where, yeah, they're not going to restrict themselves to telling the exact same story that's told in all the, you know, the Thrawn trilogy and the New Jedi Order books and all that kind of stuff, but they could still take stuff from it. Um, you know, we could still get Jason and Jaina Solo or Mara Jade or Admiral Thrawn or any of these EU characters that, 
you know, could still be part of the story. And then they just change the story and the same things don't happen to those characters in the movies that did in the books, or they could go with completely new characters and pretend none of that ever existed. We don't know how much of that they're going to take into account and how much they're going to sort of apply to it. But I mean, all we do know is that they're sort of, like they said, trying to give themselves creative freedom to, um, not just create an original story for themselves. You know, they want to have the creative freedom to tell the story they want to tell, but also to have some surprise for the audience. I mean, that's been one of the things for me all along with all these rumors going around about casting and what characters are going to be in it. And, um, you know, what's the story going to be about and all that kind of stuff. And I'll see people posting on comments and stuff, stuff like that on articles, like, um, you know, they'd be like, oh, these movies better follow the Thrawn trilogy or they better follow the new Jedi Order trilogy or, you know, I want to know who's playing Thrawn or who's playing Darth Cadis. And, you know, like people are just assuming that they're going to tell these exact same stories. And I'm like, if you know those stories so well, then why exactly would you want to go see that? I mean, I get that, you know, they do they make adaptations of books all the time into movies and, you know, people love to go see them. But um, I mean, like you said, Star Wars started with the movies, and I think if they're going to make a new set of Star Wars movies for a new generation, it should be an original story and not just be something where, um, you know, the fans are going into it with these expectations of, oh, it better follow this book or that book, especially when there's been so much material created for the expanded universe. Like, it's not like you can just make a trilogy that's an adaptation of one book or of three books because, you know, then do you do the Thrawn trilogy? Do you do the new Jedi order trilogy or the, uh, the Jedi Academy trilogy, or do you pick some of the new Jedi order books or, um, you know, all this kind of stuff. It's like so huge that I kind of like that. They're just starting over and, and telling their own original thing because it's going to be fresh. And you know what, like you said, I'm not a huge fan of the, the expanded universe either, especially after return of the Jedi, because there's been so much content um, and a lot of it was written like in the early nineties and stuff. And so it was before I became, you know, before I really got into star Wars, I mean, I've loved it since I was a kid, but when I first saw it, when I was four, I wasn't old enough to, you know, read a 300 page hardback novel. Um, and so by the time I was old enough and like really started getting into the stuff, there was already so much material that I was kind of like, that seems kind of intimidating and I don't really know where to start with all this. And then once I started reading about some of these stories, I was like, they killed Chewbacca by dropping a moon on him? Seriously? So I'm kind of glad that we get a chance to redo some of this stuff. And, yeah. uh, you know, I'm like, I don't know if I like that part of the story. So let me see how J.J. Abrams is going to do it differently. Yeah, exactly. That's the one big thing that I think like most fans can agree on is glad is being uh, <laughs> changed and uh, not part of the canon anymore. It was Chewbacca's death. But going back to what you said, Kyle, no, don't give uh, our listener Paul any hope that he's going to win the bet. I won. It's <laughs> over. <laughs> Thrawn or any of those elements are going to be in episode seven. So let's leave that at that. <laughs> but yeah, I agree pretty much everything with what you said there. I mean, having these movies being based totally new is going to be something that I think fans of the EU and even fans who have no idea of the EU is going to be best for everyone. And I guess... I understand if maybe if there were fans out there who would like to see adaptions of based on a particular story, because I love it when either comic book movies or comic book animated movies are direct adaptions from great comic book stories. I love seeing it brought to life, like beat for beat on screen. So I get that. But when it comes to something as big as Star Wars and how not everyone's familiar with the EU, there was just no way I think you could have expected it to follow a, a particular storyline pretty closely for the new trilogy. And yeah, maybe there will be elements of it, but I still think that it's going to be nothing now, especially after the heels of this announcement. It's all going to be fresh. New characters, 
the names I don't think are going to be like Jason or Jaina or Ben. And this whole new story and plot thread is, is going to be something fresh and we haven't seen before. And I have faith in it that it will, but hopefully it will be something that's better than anything that we've seen in the EU. And I'm pretty confident that it will be. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure that these guys know what they're doing. I mean, with as much time as it's taken them to come up with a script and cast these actors and stuff, um, they're they're putting a whole lot of time and effort into it. And it really seems like um, everyone involved in the project is is really just trying to make sure that they do it right um, and just make this the best movie they possibly can and just stay true to the Star Wars universe and the Star Wars legacy. So, yeah, I think it's in good hands. And I think, again, I think this is the best move for them to make in terms of just allowing themselves to tell the story that they want to tell and make the best movie that they can make. Yeah, and what also was cool about this announcement was that we got that video of different I remember from Lucasfilm and past authors like Timothy Zahn kind of reflecting on their memories of the EU, telling what their favorite stories was. So it kind of got me thinking of that too, now that this is now an era of Star Wars that's ended. Did you have a favorite, if you could think of one right now, like your all-time favorite EU story, whether it was a novel, game, or a comic, did anything jump out to you after this announcement where it's like, now this is all done, which is the one I look on fondly? Oh, man. Um, Well, I didn't really think about that as I was, like, watching that video or reading the announcement. I mean, I might have, but I don't specifically remember anything sort of jumping out at me. But, I mean, obviously, when when you ask me this right now, just, I mean, the first thing that jumps to mind is Knights of the Old Republic. Mm. Um, Because that's just, I mean, it's a, a great game and a fun game to play, but also just such a really cool story. And I just think... Darth Revan is is such a cool character and, um, you know, obviously the way that they sort of weave the story and the plot twists and um, all the different characters and just sort of the really cool storytelling methods weave that all into a video game. I thought that was really great. Um, but then, um, I mean, as far as comic books go, I, I know a lot of, like, a lot of my favorite comics and novels are in the, uh, in the Clone Wars time period because that was sort of when I really... Uh, got into, I guess would sort of, I guess I could say that's when I sort of stepped my game up as a Star Wars fan and sort of became like a hardcore fan and getting into the EU and all the books and video games and stuff. It was right around the time, like in between episodes two and three. Um, And as I was waiting for episode three to come out and getting excited for that, I started reading some of these Clone Wars novels they were putting out in between those two movies. Um, And so I guess I would say my favorite, if I had to pick a favorite novel, um... Man, the well, the Revenge of the Sith novel adaptation is still really good, but then also sort of the two that bookend that, um, which is Labyrinth of Evil, which is sort of a, a lead-in to Revenge of the Sith, and then uh, Dark Lord: The Rise of Darth Vader, which takes place um, afterwards. I mean, that was th- those were some fantastic books as well. Um, but even you know some of the other ones like Shatterpoint and Jedi Trial and the comic book. Um, I'm drawing a blank on the name here. Last Stand on Jobim uh, is my all-time favorite Star Wars comic that I've read, even though I haven't read a ton of them. But I just thought that one was really good. So, yeah, I mean, aside from Knights of the Old Republic, I would say that the Clone Wars in general was sort of my favorite era of the EU, even before the new series started. Um, So I loved, like, the books and the comics and the Clone Wars micro-series and all that kind of stuff. So I guess that's probably, uh, you know, those are my favorite uh, memories of the EU, I guess you could say. Um, But what about you? Do you have a favorite one? Yeah, I'm pretty much going to jump on just what you were saying right there. I mean, there's a lot of novels I like, but just far as like favorite memory and like a time frame, 
that I remember fondly is, like you said, those early, or not early, but those Dark Horse uh, Republic comics that focus on the Clone Wars. I mean, during the gap of like 2003, 2004, and uh, just a little bit 2005 between episodes two and three, I mean, those comics really just made the time go by a lot easier for me waiting for episode three because there are some great stories in there. And I didn't start off by getting those comics right away. I kind of caught up by getting the trade paperbacks. But, man, I just couldn't wait for each one to come out after I started reading them. Those are some great stories. And I just every time I was reading them, I was enjoying them for the story. But I just kept thinking to myself, man, we're going to get episode three pretty soon. And, like, I wonder if anything from these stories is going to, incorporate into that movie or just the idea that episode three is coming even in the stories i was reading episode three is coming soon it's coming soon after this like these cool comics that i'm reading it just really helped made the time go by a lot easier and didn't make it drag and we're like this oh, i just can't wait for episode three to get here it really helped with that just some amazing stories in there and even with the clone wars animated series certain stuff doesn't make sense it doesn't flow with the canon now but again, it's not going to take away from those great memories I had reading those comics. They're just really cool stuff. And like you said, uh, the one with Jabim is really good. And stories like that, I kind of wish that the Clone Wars series would have taken some adaptions from, maybe adapt one of those stories from those uh, Dark Horse Republic comics. There were some really good ones in there. So that's probably my favorite memory of some EU stories. But as far as uh, novels go, like I mentioned, the Darth Bane ones, I really love. And also some important ones, too, like the Darth Plagueis and the Kenobi books recently. Those two, I mean, maybe they're still going to be considered under Star Wars Legends now. But like I said before, until something contradicts those stories, those are still in my personal canon right now, too. Because those have some pretty cool stuff that just added so much to the Kenobi book to A New Hope in Episode 3 and the Darth Plagueis. You can't even watch Episode 1 the same way anymore after reading what happened to Darth Plagueis. And I just love those two stories. And then as far as video games go, I think I'm going to have to go back a ways and remember probably one of the first EU experiences I've had was Shadows of the Empire. Like that was a big deal. <laughs> that game coming out for the N64, which is a new system. You had the novel, the comics. They even had a soundtrack for it. And the toys coming out around the same time, like a little bit after the Power of the Forest line came back. I just remember being like really invested in that with the game, the toys, and the book, too. So that was a good time also. Probably my first exposure to the EU and Probably the first EU book I read was Shadows of the Empire. So those three things are probably the things I look back fondly at the most for my EU stories. Yeah, sadly, I never played Shadows of the Empire, but I know uh, some other people have mentioned that one as well. Like, I think in that video um, that they posted on StarWars.com, I want to say it was John Jackson Miller. Um, I think he said that that was, uh, you know, his favorite Star Wars video game or his first EU memory or something like that. But... um, yeah, I mean, I wasn't really aware of that going on at the time. I think I had a Shadows of the Empire action figure, but never played the video games or uh, read the book or anything. But um, not too sure how well the video game is going to hold up now, being on the N64 with that. Right, right. <laughs> but it was good back in the day. Yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it's funny how you know we have some of those memories where it's like you you just play a video game or something and it's just like oh this is a really cool story and suddenly that opens the floodgates to like whoa there's a whole bunch of other stories out here that are you know really cool like this one and uh you know either adds to the movies or it's a completely different story from the movies or whatever because i think knights of the old republic was kind of the same way for me it wasn't the first star wars video game that i ever played but it was definitely the first one that was sort of that in depth with the story and, uh, you know, fleshing out all the characters and stuff. Cause before that I had played like rogue squadron and, um, episode one racer and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, 
like we're saying, there's a ton of EU content still out there that people still are going to look back fondly on and can still enjoy. I've still got a couple of Star Wars novels that I haven't finished reading yet, and just because they're you know no longer considered canon anymore or they're going under this Legends banner or whatever, I'm still going to go back and read those. Um, I still haven't finished Heir to the Empire, which I don't know why it's gotten me so, taken me so long to get around to finish reading that, but... Um, you know, I'm like, I definitely need to read that before episode seven comes out and, you know, cause then I'll be reading it and being like, okay, well, I know this isn't really what happens, but if I finish reading it now, it's like, okay, I know this isn't going to ha- be what happens in the movie, but I can still enjoy this now. Cause I don't know what's going to happen yet. Are you kind of worried though, that you'll have an opposite reaction where you read it first and then when you see episode seven, it's like, uh, I wish they did more of what the Thrawn trilogy did. <laughs> I'm kind of the opposite where I'd. I'm going to read any post-Jedi uh, EU stories. I'd probably wait now till after episode seven. No, not really. I, I think reading them after the movie would kind of spoil the experience of reading the book for me more. Because at least now, like if I were to read them now, I think I can sort of just get myself prepared in that mindset. Whereas I'm reading it, I know, like I can enjoy what's happening at the time, but I, I'm not going to get my hopes up that that's going to be what happens in the movie but at the same time i mean if they do take certain elements from it and incorporate it into the movie or if there's little easter eggs or whatever for fans of the eu then i'll get that and i'll know what's going on but i just you know i won't get my hopes up too much and i'll understand that the stuff i'm reading is not necessarily how it's going to go whereas if i read that after the fact it's like not only do i know this isn't really what happens but i know what really happens instead so, you know, say I'm reading the book where Chewbacca gets killed. I'm like, yeah, that's not how it really happened because I know Chewbacca's still alive or he died this way instead or whatever. So, um, yeah, I think if I'm going to read anything in the existing EU, I better do it now because I think the you know reading it after the movies would probably lessen that experience a little bit for me. Yeah, I guess I just have a different way of viewing that. Maybe it's because I'm such a big comic book fan and I'm kind of used to having these different universes and like parallel storylines that you could have these different things where if i were to read it after the movie i could just go okay this was a cool story may not be anything that's happened in the official canon but still a cool story or maybe not as good but something maybe i enjoyed i think that's another good thing to think too they didn't officially like wipe out the eu stories and say oh we're not going to be printing anymore like of these old novels like there's going to be no way to get it we're like erasing this from memory and pretend it's never existed like they're still going to print copies of the books that have been out it's going to have that legends banner on there now because kind of this reminds me actually of like certain comic book things where you have different universes and different lines of comic that's set in one universe and one set in another one kind of like how marvel does with their unlimited uh comics lines so in a way like i said i'm <laughs> just going back to the what we talked about before it's something that sure i know fans aren't going to be happy about and i get it but in the end i think it's just overall a win-win Maybe there's going to be some who aren't going to agree with me, but at least for me personally, it's probably the best I was hoping for. Not totally getting rid of the EU and erasing it, but putting it under the Legends banner, having it still be there for you to enjoy. But at the same time, making sure everything now going forward is going to be all in canon in one cohesive universe where everything ties together nicely. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with you on that. I mean, like you said, it's it's pretty much the best we could ask for. And also, it's, I mean, to me, it didn't come as a surprise at all. This was pretty much what I expected. Um, I guess the only extra clarification I would like, I kind of wish they would put out a list of, um, you know, maybe like all the different video games and novels and stuff like that. And like, okay, which ones 
if any are still considered canon, which ones are sort of like not officially canon, but they can kind of still count. And then which ones are you like sort of writing out of the canon and they're definitely going to be contradicted by episode seven or a future spinoff movie or rebels or anything like that. But uh, I guess we'll just, you know, kind of see how that goes as the new content comes out. Because it's not just with Episode 7. I mean, obviously with Rebels, there could be some stuff in there that contradicts the Force Unleashed games um, and anything else, you know, that takes place in between Episodes 2 and 3 and stuff like that. And then as they go on with, you know, standalone movies and new video games and all that kind of stuff, we'll just kind of see where things end up and uh, what they end up doing with the stories. Yeah, I just think about that too. Right now, Boba Fett did not survive the Sarlacc pit. He's technically still dead in the main canon. We'll see what they do with the spinoff movie if he shows up in the sequel trilogy, but right now he did not survive the Sarlacc pit. <laughs> yeah, although didn't George Lucas say he had like a, intended to shoot a scene of him coming out of the Sarlacc yeah, did, pit, like either for the original movie or for the special editions or something, but then just didn't get around to it? Yeah, it was for the special editions. <laughs> so since it wasn't filmed or anything, to me right now, Boba Fett is still dead. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess technically right now you could say he's dead, but I'm like, I would still be open to the idea of him coming back in a sequel movie. Oh, yeah, I think he definitely is. I hope he is, too, because I still wouldn't want him to be killed off and go out the way he did in the Sarlacc bit. So I'm still hoping for that. But it is funny. That was something me and my brother always got to have some fun with or debated about. He was all, I, I don't look at the books or comics or anything as like counting. I only go by the movies and Clone Wars. So like, oh, so you think, because he likes Boba Fett too. He's like, oh, so you think Boba Fett is dead or not alive? He's like, pause for a second. Let's go, yep, he's still dead. <laughs> like, <laughs> as much as I hate to admit it, he's still dead. So now he's like throwing that at my face. See, now he's really dead. You have to agree to that too. <laughs> like you can't get around <laughs> it anymore. Like, yeah, you got me there. <laughs> But he'll be back. <laughs> yeah. I mean, then again, we never definitively saw Boba Fett die in the movies either. So and we can't say there's any canon stories where he escapes the Sarlacc pit. But the thing takes a thousand years to digest you. So he could still be alive down there for all we know. Oh, wait a second. I, I forgot. We got the robot chicken specials. Of course he survived. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because those are totally part of what still counts in the canon. Of course. <laughs> but... but uh, probably the best thing about this announcement for me was those announcement of the four new books that we're going to get. I mean, how cool was it the same day we got that EU announcement? We got uh, the news of four new books coming out, the start of this new era of uh, Star Wars novels. And uh, so just the titles of those books have got me excited for I mean, the first one announced was a tie into Star Wars Rebels, which is going to be a prequel to the series. I heard that. I'm like, oh, man, that's probably the perfect way to start it off. Rebels is the first uh, thing we're going to get in this new era of Star Wars, so why not start um, the new no series of novels with the Star Wars Rebels book to introduce us to some of the characters in the, into the series? So, on top of the e news we got, the e news we got that day, having the announcement of the books just made it even better. Yeah, this was kind of one of those crazy days where there was like, I mean, the news was slowly sort of trickling down all day because at first we just got this official you know announcement from starwars.com saying sort of here's what we're doing with the eu and the the legends banner and what we're doing you know moving forward with episode seven and all that kind of stuff and i think in the yeah in this press release they say that um 
you know, on the screen, the first new canon to appear will be Star Wars Rebels. In print, the first new books to come out from this creative collaboration include novels from Delray Books. First to be announced, John Jackson Miller is writing a novel that precedes the events of Star Wars Rebels and offers insight into a key character's backstory with input directly from executive producers Dave Filoni, Simon Kinberg, and Greg Wiseman. So, I mean, in the first announcement, we didn't even know the title of this book. And yeah. then, um, you know, then we got the title of the book and then we got the cover of the book and then we got an announcement that, you know, they announced three more books and then they revealed like the titles for those other three books and then they revealed uh, plot summaries for all the books. And so, you know, it was like, I mean, you and I were talking or sort of chatting back and forth that day and it's like, oh, what do you think about this? And we're chatting back and forth and, oh, well, they just, you know, said something else and now we can look at the yeah. covers or something. So um, that was pretty exciting. But yeah, I mean, the the covers for these books look great. They, they all sound pretty good. So the four books that we've got, um, the first one, like you were talking about, it's this one uh, that's sort of a prequel to Rebels. It's called Star Wars A New Dawn. And uh, it focuses on Kanan and Hera and uh, sort of explores the beginning of their relationship, how they first came together and started fighting the Empire. Um, and I don't think this is in um, – well, it's not in the article on our website. I, for, I think I might have read this somewhere on Twitter or something that this series takes place like – or that this book takes place like five years before the series starts. Um, I'm not 100% sure on that, but – um, yeah, obviously it's some sort of prequel where it's giving some backstory on these characters and how they first started working together. Um, and like you said, I'm really excited to to read this and just sort of um, get some some backstory on these characters and sort of a lead into the series. And it's really, I mean, it's exciting to know that from now on, all these books are going to, yeah, they're going to count for something. You can't yep. just sort of dismiss it as like, oh yeah, that doesn't really count or that's an alternate story or whatever. I mean, not that you have to read all these. I doubt they're going to make Rebels and leave a bunch of plot holes in it that you, you know, only the people who have read all the books will understand it because you want people to be able to enjoy just the movies or just Rebels or whatever, you know, if they're not into the novels and the comics and stuff, you don't want to alienate, you don't want to alienate the readers who aren't like hardcore fans who absorb all of this stuff. But I think for those of us who do read these books, it's going to add more to the experience. Um, and I haven't, you know, been reading a ton of the, uh, the EU novels and all that kind of stuff. I've read quite a few, but I haven't been one of those people that's like, okay, I have to read every single star Wars book and every comic that comes out, but I might turn into one of those people now, now that I know, that everything going forward is all going to sort of be connected. It's all going to count for something. Um, and that even if you don't necessarily need to read this book to enjoy rebels or understand it, it's going to add more to it. I think so. I definitely can't wait to read this book. And, um, you know, especially if there are any that like, uh, well, I'm sure there might be some future novels that tie into rebels, but then if there are any that tie into like episode seven or any of the, any of the other movies, then yeah, you bet I'm going to read those. Yeah couldn't agree with you more on that it's like you said even as fans i mean i was kind of like this already with certain books that would come out because it just makes makes you enjoy certain things about the movies more like uh, kenobi and plagueis did for me but now that we really know that this particular this book the new dawn is going to tie in directly to rebels it's going to be in the same canon it's going to have input from greg wiseman dave Valoni, and simon kibber it's just going to add so much enjoyment to when you watch the series and when you see the first episode, you can harken back to what you've read in that book. I just think it's going to be something fans are going to be more aware of now, which would hopefully get more 
people who didn't necessarily read too much of the EU to read it now or to read new novels now because it's going to have a not maybe a direct effect on what you'll see in the movies or TV shows, but you know it's taking place in the same canon and you might pick up certain things that you wouldn't have before by reading these books. And it's just going to add to your enjoyment overall, which is going to be great, which has me most excited about all four of these books that were announced. Yeah, I think it'll be one of those things where, you know, you just sort of pick up on subtle little references. Like, I mean, for example, if you never watched the Clone Wars series and someone who's never seen Star Wars before watches episode four for the first time, you're not really confused when Obi-Wan tells Luke or when Luke asks Obi-Wan, like, oh, you fought in the Clone Wars? Um, You know, you have no idea what the Clone Wars are, but you get that it's just sort of something that they're mentioning in the backstory. and You don't necessarily need to know everything about it right there at this minute to keep you know, to keep up with the story um, because everything else sort of makes sense. And it's just sort of this minor reference, but everyone who's watched the Clone Wars series, that obviously means a whole lot more to them. Um, And so I think it's going to be the same thing here where, you know, maybe there's stuff that's going to happen in this book between Kanan and Hera. And then maybe in the series, they'll, you know, just have some sort of small reference like that. They could be in the middle of a fight with some stormtroopers and Hera tells Kanan like, Oh, this reminds me of the time we got stuck in an imperial base on Belmora and you know people watching the show who don't know about that are like okay well I guess that happened at some point and for those of us who read the book we're like oh cool yeah I remember that that was a great story so I think it's just the little things like that that are just gonna like you said sort of tie everything together and make this feel more cohesive and just add to you know just build on the experience and add enjoyment to it yeah definitely and then the other three books that got announced I mean just getting an announcement for a new Don was enough to get me excited. But then <laughs> the other three ones I got announced, first the, the titles of them were uh, Star Wars Tarkin, Star Wars Heir to the Jedi, and uh, Star Wars Lords of the Sith. And at first we just got those titles, and you kind of know what Tarkin was going to be about just by the name. But the titles Heir to the Jedi and Lords of the Sith, man, my mind went crazy thinking, oh, what's those going to be about? Is it going to be a novel before, right before Episode Seven, or is it going to be like set in the original trilogy area Close to Empire, Jedi, and New Hope. What's it going to be? And then we find out that um, Heir to the Jedi is going to be takes place between A New Hope and The Empire Strikes Back. And then Lords of the Sith is going to be taking place not too long after Episode Three. But so that's, Lords of the Sith was actually one that got me thinking. Oh, is this going to have a big tie into Episode Seven? Is this going to like plant the seeds for maybe the new threat for the movies? But then we find out it's going to be about Darth Vader and Emperor Palpatine. And to me, that's fine with me. I, I can't complain about getting new stories about Darth Vader and Palpatine now set in the main canon of the Star Wars universe now. So I think out of all three of these books, or even counting New Dawn, I'm most excited about uh, Lords of the Sith. Like I said, just getting a new Palpatine-Darth Vader story is going to be awesome. And I'm hearing, too, it wasn't in the, the official like brief synopsis for it, but um, because it's supposed to be where they find themselves stranded in the middle of an insurgent on a... Uh, it describes it as an inhospi- inhospitable planet. But I've also read, too, that a character from the Clone Wars is supposed to be involved in this story. And, geez, I <laughs> went crazy thinking of who was it going to be. Maybe Rex? Is this going to be Ahsoka's like, showdown with Darth Vader, maybe? How cool would that be? But at the same time, I was like, I'd rather see that on screen. But <laughs> just thinking of all these possibilities in my head for Lords of the Sith, this has got me real excited about this book. So, yeah, out of all four of them, that's the one that I'm probably anticipating the most. Yeah, well, you know what? Let's. Uh, I'm going to go through real quick and just read all these um, descriptions. And um, let's see, I'm trying to find the one for a new dawn real quick. But I know uh, New Dawn is coming out September 14th of this year, 
And um, as for the rest of them, let's see, Tarkin is coming out November 4th. Um, Heir to the Jedi is coming out, or I'm sorry, no, Heir to the Jedi, oh, no, okay, I was right about that. Tarkin is coming out November 4th, Heir to the Jedi is coming out January 2015, and then Lords of the Sith is coming out March of 2015. Um, and yeah, like we said, uh, Rebels, or A New Dawn is a prequel to Rebels, it's got insight on the backstory between um, Kanan and Hera, and then um, for... Tarkin, it says, in our second upcoming novel created in collaboration with the Lucasfilm Story Group, best-selling Star Wars veteran James Lucino gives Tarkin the Darth Plagueis treatment, bringing a legendary character from A New Hope to full fascinating life. Um, And, yeah, coming November 4th, 2014. Um, And so this is, like we said, written by James Lucino, the same guy who wrote uh, the Plagueis novel and also who wrote... Um, he wrote those other two, uh, books I was talking about, uh, Labyrinth of Evil, and, uh, I think he also wrote, uh, Dark Lord, The Rise of Darth Vader. So he's, I mean, been one of my favorite Star Wars authors for a while, just because he wrote a couple of books that I thought were really fantastic. Um, so even though this is probably, I mean, this might be the one that I'm least excited for, just because, I mean, Tarkin's a good character, but he's never been, like, one of my particular favorites, and so I don't get super excited going, oh, I get to read a book about Tarkin. I'm like, okay, well, I might check that out. But, um, I mean, the biggest selling point for me on this one is that it's James Lucino. So um, I know, for especially for fans of Tarkin, that is uh, probably a story that's in good hands. And then Star Wars Heir to the Jedi, which is coming out January 2015, um, it says, A thrilling new adventure set between A New Hope and The Empire Strikes Back. And for the first time ever, written entirely from Luke Skywalker's first-person point of view, um, created in collaboration with the Lucasfilm Story Group, coming January 2015. So, I mean, this one sounds pretty interesting because um, for just from the cover art, I mean, you see it's Luke Skywalker, and in the background there's, like, TIE fighters, and he's got his lightsaber, and he's wearing a, a different costume. So um, just from the cover art, I was like, oh, this looks pretty cool. And then reading it and hearing that it was written from Luke's first-person point of view, I'm like, that should be interesting. Um, I'm not, I I don't really have an opinion, I guess, on the whole first person thing. I'm like, it could be good, could be bad. I don't know. But, um, that might be one that I kind of wait to read some reviews first on when it comes out, but I still might want to check that one out and just see how it goes. Um, and then, yeah, the Lords of the Sith, um, it says when the emperor and his notorious apprentice, Darth Vader, find themselves stranded in the middle of insurgent action on an inhospitable planet, they must rely solely on each other, the force and their awesome martial skills to prevail. Uh, create, again, created in collaboration with the Lucasfilm story group coming March, 2015. And it's written by Paul S. Kemp, who, if you guys haven't read, um, his book, Star Wars, the old Republic deceived, that is another one that's high on my list of favorite EU novels. It's a tie-in to the Old Republic video game, um, but you don't really have to play the game to enjoy this book. And it's really, I mean, it's kind of a simple story. It's not a super long and complex book, but it focuses on this uh, Sith Lord named Darth Malgus. And if you've seen the cinematic trailers for that game, um, particularly the first one, the first trailer, which was also called Deceived, and it, it uh, featured this Sith Lord, Darth Malgus, as he walks into the Jedi Temple and then has a shuttle full of Sith Lords come and crash through the door behind him, and they basically wipe all the Jedi out. Um, it, I mean, the, the book sort of starts, it pretty much starts with the exact same story that you see take place in that trailer, and then he's the main character throughout the whole rest of the story. And it's a really great character study on 
a Sith Lord and just sort of this guy's mentality and how he feels about the Sith Empire and the rest of the Sith and the dark side and his motivations and his morality and all this kind of stuff. So, I mean, for anyone who hasn't read this book and is wondering like, oh, is this Lords of the Sith book going to be good? And is this guy a good author? I can tell you right now, in my opinion, this guy knows how to write Sith Lords really well. So, I mean, that for me, again, is uh, I know, Tim, you said you were excited for this one. And for, I mean, the cover art looks fantastic. You see yeah. <laughs> Vader with his lightsaber, Palpatine is shooting lightning up at the sky, and you've got stormtroopers and AT-ATs and Star Destroyers in the background. And between the cover art and the description and the fact that I just, you know, I'm looking forward to reading some more of this guy's work, and I know he has a good track record with writing fearsome and believable Sith Lords. I'm like, this should be a really good one. So that's probably... Uh, it's it's tough to say which one I'm most excited for because this one looks really good, but I'm also really excited to read a new Dawn and just sort of get that jump start on Rebels and uh, get our first story in that universe. Yeah, Lords of the Sith just edged out a new Dawn for me. And the thing in the press release that's really jumped out at me is how it says they must rely solely on each other. And I can't wait to see the, the interaction, the dynamic they'll have with each other in this story because you know Darth Vader... Even though Palpatine is his master, he hates him for everything that's happened to his life. And Palpatine probably views Vader as really as a failure now that uh, what happened in Revenge of the Sith and that he's more machine than man. So I'm curious to see how the relationship's going to be told in here. Will they kind of gain a little respect for each other during this story? And will we get some cool callback, like callbacks to what happened in Episode 3, find out some new information about the relationship. So all that stuff I'm really excited about. And that's why, for me, this one just edges out a new Don, just by a hair. Yeah, but, of, course, of course, I'm also really intrigued, too, to see who the uh, the Clone Wars character yeah. ends up being in this series. I'm already, well, I mean, as soon as I heard that, my mind was racing. I'm like, is it Ahsoka? Is it Rex? Is it Ventress? Um, yeah, I mean, it could be one of the clone commanders, could be a stormtrooper working with these guys now. Um, it could be Ahsoka or some other Jedi could be a bounty hunter like Cad Bane, or it also says that they're, uh, they're stuck in the middle of insurgent action on an inhospitable planet. So I'm like, maybe it's some sort of, you know, maybe it's a resistance that's being led by somebody like Shams and or some other, you know, sort of freedom fighter type character that we were introduced to on Clone Wars. So I don't know. I can't wait to see what that ends up being. Yeah, unfortunately, it's the last one that's coming out. <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, but I also put the call out to some of our listeners and fans about which of these four books they were most excited about. And on uh, looks like it was split between two. On Twitter, we got um, from Wayson Lau, who says, uh, A New Dawn seems sweet. And then Ed Trin says, I'm excited about A New Dawn, anything to get us more into the Rebels era in characters. So we got two for Rebels, and then uh, Tarkin was the other one that got a response. Um, w, WTS fan says, uh, Tarkin, hope it will prove to be comparable to the Dark Plagueis novel in terms of backstory, etc. So this sounds promising. And then on Facebook, Brian V. Klein says, um, the first one that jumped out to me was Tarkin. Lucino did a great job with the Darth Plagueis novel, and I hope he does the same for Tarkin. So pretty much at least um, for the listeners and fans who got back to us, it's split between A New Dawn and Tarkin. But I mean, you really can't go wrong picking any one of these four books. They all sound awesome. But, uh, yeah, just for me, Lords of the Sith has jumped out. So I'll probably end up reading all of them, or at least I'll say I want to read all of them. <laughs> but I think the two definite ones for me that, yeah, for sure I'm going to get right when they come out will be A New Dawn and Lords of the Sith. Yeah, same here. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, I'll probably be keeping up with these books a lot more now. 
And, um, you know, who knows, maybe I'll end up reading all of these. I'm going to try to, by before the end of the year or before September when A New Dawn comes out, I'm going to finish reading Heir to the Empire and Plagueis finally, and then, uh, you know, get ready to dive into this sort of new... Um, new era, I guess, of, yep. of Star Wars content that is all connected. I mean, what are we going to call this? Like the new EU? Because the expanded universe has always sort of carried a connotation with it of, you know, all the Star Wars stuff that is separate from the movies and isn't necessarily official canon. Well, I mean, all these new books and stuff that are going to be coming out are, you know, they're still separate from the movies, but... I mean, as far as we know, everything in them is still going to be just as canon as the movies because it's going to have the same people sort of overseeing everything and making sure everything lines up. So, I mean, are we just going to call this the new expanded universe or are we just going to say it's Star Wars books and they're just sort of adding on to the movies and it's just sort of all part of this big interconnected Star Wars universe? I don't know, but regardless of what you want to call it, it's going to be uh, it should be pretty great. Yeah, see, that's the best part for me about this whole thing is that now, for me anyway, I'm just going to call it all Star Wars. It's, I know there's no need to like distinguish it from the movies or anything. Sure, they're not of the movies, but the stories, it's not going to contradict anything. Like we said, it's all going to take place in the same canon, timeline, universe, whatever you want to call it. So for me, I'm just viewing it all as Star Wars. <laughs> if I need to specifically say what it is, I'll say Star Wars books or Star Wars game. But like, I don't think there will be no need to reference to the new stories coming out as the U anymore. I'll just call it all Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's going to be great because sometimes people will ask me, like I'll have friends that are, they like Star Wars, they know about Star Wars, but they're not as into it as I am. So they'll come to me with questions and they'll be like, Oh, so what's up with this character or what happened to that character? And I'll be like, well, don't quote me on this. Cause I think I read somewhere that in some EU story, like this happened, but I don't know if that's officially canon or not. And now it's just going to be like, well, that wasn't in the movie, but in the book, it said this, and that's just as valid. So yeah, I mean, it's going to make it a whole lot easier to just keep track of everything. Yep. Uh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Should be great. But you know what? I think we've, uh, now that we've got all this sort of EU groundwork laid, and I mean, like you said at the beginning, they had to get this out of the way so that they could, or they had to get this out of the way before they announced the cast for episode seven. Um, even though we still don't have any, any, uh, story details or character or plot or anything like that. But, um, now at least we know with these, casting announcements we're not trying to line them up with certain eu characters or anything like that so uh let's go ahead and get to the big announcement uh that we've been waiting for for a long time oh yeah um and it finally came this morning we got the official announcement of the star wars episode 7 cast this was not uh Hollywood reporter quoting multiple sources. This was not Latino review quoting one really (laughs) sketchy source. This was not some fan speculation or some rumor or Harrison Ford mumbling and making jokes on a talk show. This is it. This is legit. This is on starwars.com. It's the official press release. Um, And I'll just go ahead and read this because it's not too long. It says, The Star Wars team is thrilled to announce the cast of Star Wars Episode Seven. Actors John Boyega, Daisy Ridley, Adam Driver, Oscar Isaac, Andy Serkis, Donald Gleason, and Max von Sydow will join the original stars of the the saga, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, Mark Hamill, Anthony Daniels, Peter Mayhew, and Kenny Baker in the new film. 
Director J.J. Abrams says, We are so excited to finally share the cast of Star Wars Episode Seven. It is both thrilling and surreal to watch the beloved original cast and these brilliant new performers come together to bring this world to life once again. We start shooting in a couple of weeks, and everyone is doing their best to make the fans proud. Star Wars Episode Seven is being directed by J.J. Abrams from a screenplay by Lawrence Kasdan and Abrams. Kathleen Kennedy, J.J. Abrams, and Brian Burke are producing, and John Williams returns as the composer. The movie opens worldwide on December 18th, 2015. Boom. So there you have it. <laughs> Man, okay, Kyle, on a scale of 1 to 10, how excited did this announcement <laughs> get you? To me, I think I'd put it at 11. <laughs> well, you know what? I guess, to, in, in all fairness, I would have to say, well, no, you know, it's probably still a 10. I was going to say it might be a 9 just because we didn't get any sort of even hint of like what characters these actors are playing or any hints on the story or anything. I mean, it would have been great to get some of that stuff, but at the same time, I mean, I'm excited to, to finally know who's in it. I'm excited that we can put an end to all the casting rumors. Now I'm sure that now we know who the actors are. We're still going to have some rumors regarding the story, what happens in the story, what characters all these actors are playing. But um, it's nice that we finally have, confirmation and like i was saying when i'm talking to friends of mine who are asking me about star wars or what i think about things or what's happening whatever i mean i'll meet somebody and tell them that i like star wars or tell them that i'm making my own star wars fan film or something and they'll go like oh so what do you think about the fact that they're making a new episode seven and i'm like oh well you know i think it should be pretty cool you know i'm i'm hopefully optimistic and can't wait to see it and they're like yeah well at least it's a good thing that they've got the original you know han and luke and leia are coming back right and i'm like well that hasn't officially been confirmed yet i can find Finally, stop saying that yes. and just join the masses who have pretty much already accepted it. But I was like, yeah, I, I mean, we've been saying all along that it's like the worst kept secret in Hollywood. Everybody pretty much knows that they're coming back, but I still am always hesitant to, you know, just totally go along with it until it's been officially confirmed. Well, now it has been. So there we go. It's laid to rest. Yeah, I mean, like you said, the thing about Harrison Ford, Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, everybody knew it, even though it wasn't announced. But even so, I can't tell you how cool it is to finally know that it is official. They are back in Star Wars. I mean, even a few days over the this past weekend where uh, people were reporting that uh, they were in London and some images came out of Harrison Ford and Mark Hamill, like just seeing them there, knowing that they're getting ready for Star Wars. It's such a cool feeling. Now that it's official, uh, <laughs> it's just amazing to know that they're back in Star Wars. And that that image, it's such a simple image, but I tweeted this out. It gave me chills when I first saw it. I mean, you're seeing Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, Harrison Ford, Peter Mayhew there. There's J.J. Abrams. They're reading a script for Episode Seven, a new Star Wars movie in there. And then you got these new actors. I mean, how cool it probably is for them to be sitting by Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, and Carrie Fisher reading a script for a new Star Wars movie. It's just amazing. <laughs> it's almost surreal right now just how cool it is knowing that a new Star Wars movie just moving that much closer to becoming a reality. It's uh, so cool, man. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's this, I mean, this image that you're talking about, it's one that they put out with the official press release. And it's just this black and white photo. Um, and it's uh, just a wide shot of, like you said, all the actors. And they're just sitting on chairs and couches and stuff, all kind of sitting around a table. And they're having you know a table read of the script for the movie. But yeah, you see all of them. Except that Max von Sydow isn't in the picture. But um you know, just seeing the whole cast assembled together is really cool. And it was funny how you said it gave you chills the first time you saw it. For me, it took a little while to sink in. 
Um, because I, well, I guess the first time I saw it, it wasn't, maybe I just wasn't paying that much attention to the picture or I didn't really know who some of the actors were. So I was more, I was more interested just in the names. I'm like, I want to finally find out who's in this thing, read all the names. And then of course I go and I'm tweeting about it and posting about it on Facebook and I'm going on IMDB and Wikipedia and looking up all these actors who I either have never heard of before or don't know really well and trying to sort of refresh my memory on what they've been in and everything. Um, and then I sort of came back to it after maybe an hour or two. And, uh, I think also the first time I saw the picture, I had seen it on my phone. So it was kind of small and I couldn't even see who everybody was in the picture, but on the, in the announcement that they made on starwars.com, I mean, the picture is pretty big, but then they've also got a caption underneath that says, you know, okay, here's J.J. Abrams, and then if you go clockwise, this is this person, this is this person. Um, and so once I sort of had familiarized myself with, like, okay, who all these people are, then I went back and looked at that picture, and I'm going, okay, this is this person, this is this person, this is that person. And as I'm just sort of, like, going around the circle and realizing that it's all these people together and that, like you said, that they're all sitting there, they're all making new Star Wars, then it just sort of hit me. I'm like, oh, crap, this is really happening, and all these guys are involved in it. And it I mean, it just sort of brings that sense of, um, I don't know if you want to say, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It makes it more tangible, I guess, um, and, and just sort of makes it seem more real. When I mean, we've known that this movie was going to happen for you know a year and a half now, and we've known who the director is, we've known they're working on the script, but when you just see all these people sitting together and we know that they're working on it. We know these are people that we're going to be seeing on camera in a Star Wars movie. It's like, oh, man, just so cool. And, yeah, like, I mean, like I said, it didn't hit me right at first. But after sort of thinking about it and talking about it and letting it sink in for a while, then when I went back and looked at this again, then it kind of hit me and gave me chills and was like, oh, man, this is going to be really awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I think the only way this photo could have been any cooler as if uh, Ewan McGregor, Hayden Christensen, and Natalie Portman were there for some reason, even though they're not in the movie. <laughs> Just to have, like, all generations of, like, Star Wars from each trilogy in one photo. Maybe that'll happen eventually down the line when this new trilogy is done. But, yeah, just so cool seeing, like, the original cast, one generation to the next. And, yeah, man, it's just an exciting time to be a Star Wars fan. And I can't tell you how cool it is right now. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, hopefully they will do a picture like that at some point because... Um, I don't know exactly where it's from, but I've, I've seen a picture online before of kind of what you were describing, but it seems like it was taken probably towards the end of production on Revenge of the Sith, where you've got, I mean, all the main actors from that movie, they had, um, Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman and Ewan McGregor. Um, they had, uh, Ian McDermott and I think Samuel L. Jackson was in there and I think Jake Lloyd was in there as well. Um, and then they might have, I think they had somebody in like a Darth Vader costume. Um, and then, but then they also had like Peter Mayhew and Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford that they probably had just brought in just for this photo op, or maybe they had brought in the original stars just to sort of give them a tour of the facility as they were filming Revenge of the Sith or something like that. But I mean, it was, it was, it's a really cool picture to see. Uh, just all of those, like you said, just the different generations of Star Wars together in the same place. And uh, I think I had seen that picture before, you know, I've seen it like a while ago, but I just saw it maybe on Twitter or something uh, just recently, like within the past couple of weeks. And I hadn't seen it in a long time. It was like, it just sort of hit me again. Like, wow, that's really cool. Just seeing all those guys together again. So, yeah, I mean, if they're able to do um, some sort of picture like that uh, for the new trilogy as well, that would be cool. But I think it'll be cooler if they do it 
um, maybe after we've seen at least one of the movies, because I think it adds a whole new level to it once you've actually seen these characters in costume, you've seen them on screen, and it's not just, okay, well, I know who this actor is, and I know he's going to be in Star Wars, but once you've actually seen the movie, that sort of makes it feel more like now they're really a part of Star Wars, and I see that person as part of the Star Wars saga. Yeah, so probably around episode nine, <laughs> we'll get that group photo. I think that one you're talking about was the cover for uh, Vanity Fair, pretty close to when episode three was about to come out. I think I still have that in my bins of Star Wars magazines. <laughs> <laughs> nice. The prequel era. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I guess the next big question I want to ask you about this, I think we're going to have the same answer on this one. But out of all the actors that were in this press release, which one surprised you the most and just caught you by surprise i think i know the answer to it well yeah because i've told you this already but the biggest surprise for me was andy circus yeah (laughs) um although i mean max von was also kind of a surprise um just and and we talked about this before and we've talked about this for for months now where it's like okay what's it going to be like when we finally get the official casting announcement and we're going to look back on all the speculation and all the rumors and all the names that got thrown around and see which ones were correct and which ones weren't. And I I probably said before that, like, I thought we were going to have some rumors that were pretty spot on. And, uh, you know, so there were some names in there that weren't really a surprise. There were some that we had heard sort of mentioned and we weren't sure how accurate the rumors were. And so it's like, okay, well, that one's kind of, kind of a surprise, but we, had heard that name before and we weren't sure if that person was going to be in it or not, or if it was going to be somebody else. So it's nice to get confirmation. You know, now we know it's this person. And then there were some that just came out of left field. And, uh, yeah, like I said, I don't think we'd ever heard Andy Serkis or Max von Sydow's name thrown around in any of the rumor mill stuff. But I mean, for me being also a big Lord of the Rings fan and especially, uh, someone who loves the character of Gollum so much. And I mean, I love what Andy Serkis did with that, but also, um, I mean, even what he did in the recent Planet of the Apes film, I mean, he's so great with the motion capture and the facial expressions and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, mostly, I I love him mostly for Gollum. That is like one of my favorite movie characters of all time. And when I saw his name in here, I was like, what? I did not see that coming. And I am even more excited for this now. Yeah, that kind of raises a question too. I'm probably 90% sure he's going to be a CG motion capture character, but there's a part of me that thinks, well, maybe he's going to be himself in this movie and he's not going to play a CG motion capture character, but I don't know. He's just so associated with those kind of roles. It's hard not to think of him as doing that for a star Wars movie where more than likely it is going to have a few characters that are going to be all CG and require some motion capturing. And if we're going to have that, there's none better than Andy Serkis. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> like you said, there was no hints or rumors about him's name being associated with Star Wars. So when I first saw his name on there, I was like, wow, really, man, that's cool. And then you see him in the photo, like, yep, there he is, sitting right by Mark Hamill. <laughs> so out of all of them, that was definitely the biggest surprise and some that we didn't expect. And I think out of all the actors listed here, at least for me, and I think for the most part, we try to do a good job of keeping up as far as all the actors who are rumored to be in Episode 7 or read for a role or whatever. I mean, there was a lot of them, but I think there was only two that panned out as far as actually being in the movie, at least the ones that I recognize anyway, Adam Driver and John Boyega. Those were rumored a few months ago, I think earlier this year, not too much earlier than that, but I think it was this year only where they were rumored to be in it. And yep, there they are. But 
some of the other rumored actors like Benedict Cumberbatch, Zac Efron, <laughs> those didn't end up panning out. And who knows if they were even strongly considered or not, but kind of what we expected and like you had to do. The majority was actors I've never heard of and ones that weren't fully on the rumor mill. So yeah, overall, I think for the most part, it was a surprise more than anything than being, oh, I was expecting that or that's a familiar choice. But yeah, overall, it was a nice mix of new actors I'd never heard of, but at the same time, the classic Star Wars characters that are coming back to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and well, I guess the one other name on there is uh, Oscar Isaac. We had heard his name thrown around in some rumors, but those were really recent. That was just sort of in the past couple of days. Um, and so, you know, we hadn't even mentioned him on the podcast before. It was just sort yeah. of like the name came out of nowhere, and then the casting announcement came out, and it was confirmed. But... Um... Now, is there any, like, choice i mean we're not too familiar with any of these actors but was there anything that kind of made you scratch your head at all it's like well i wonder how this person's going to be but for me i really didn't have that at all i don't have an opinion as far as oh this is going to be really great that this actor is in it or i'm not too sure about this actor just because i'm not too familiar with any of them except for andy circus and like the big names actors from the original trilogy coming back so it's like i have an open mind to all of them i'm not expecting them to be like superiorly great over anything else or really really bad it's just kind of okay let's see what you do in a star wars movie i'm just excited either way (laughs) that that we have a cast now i just can't wait to see what they bring to it so yeah overall i don't have a strong opinion either way as far as uh, i'm not too sure about this or this is perfect casting yeah and i kind of feel the same way one thing i did want to go back to because i was going to say this and then sort of lost my train of thought for a second but when you were talking about andy circus and um how he's you know so well known for like motion capture cg type roles and stuff um i mean obviously i'm aware of that and like all the all the different cg performances he's done but for some reason that didn't really stick out at me when i first saw his name in the casting announcement and um I mean, maybe I just didn't really think of it or maybe just seeing him there in person, you know, reading with all the rest of the actors just sort of made me picture him more as, um, you know, sort of being there on screen, I guess. I mean, obviously we don't know anything at this point about the characters or what, you know, who these actors are going to play or anything, but I, it maybe just sort of the first conclusion that I jumped to was that he could be actually making like an on-screen appearance um, and then I think it was, uh, I was talking about this with Michael Cohen over at Frontlines. We were sort of debating back and forth in a Facebook post, but um, he, he was like, oh, so, you know, we can all like 100% agree that Andy Serkis is playing some sort of CG alien, right? And I was like, I'm not 100% sure on that because, I mean, for one thing, we've heard a lot of stuff where J.J. Abrams and Kathleen Kennedy and Mark Hamill have all been talking about um, how they want to sort of go back to the roots of the trilogy. They don't want to rely too heavily on CG, and that was a criticism that a lot of people had um, with the prequels. And, of course, you know, you look at Jar Jar Binks and the backlash that people had against him, even though he wasn't even completely CG, I don't think. Um, or maybe he was, but I know I've seen pictures in set of, like, you know, Ahmed Best had, like, the arms on and everything. But, um, no, that probably was completely CG because he was, like, so much taller than Qui-Gon. But um, anyway, I mean, I I sort of I didn't just immediately jump to that conclusion because I've seen him on screen in other movies. Um, Like the first one that jumps to mind is The Prestige with uh, Hugh Jackman and Christian Bale. Um, He was in that movie as himself, you know, not playing a CG character or anything. So I'm like he I think he could do a fine job if they cast him just as 
I don't know, a Jedi, a Sith Lord, a Imperial officer, whatever these new characters are going to be. But then at the same time, I mean, I'm not ruling anything out either. And because he is so good at the motion capture stuff, it's like if they are doing a completely CG character, then, I mean, there's obviously nobody better to go with. I think he knows that technology and that sort of aspect of performance better than pretty much anyone in the business. So um, I think they, they definitely can't go wrong with that if that's uh, the type of character that they're looking for. But I think the other thing that I maybe was sort of skeptical about is, you know, because this is sort of like the main central cast and because Peter Mayhew is coming back. So, I mean, who else is he going to be playing if not Chewbacca? And I'm like, well, how many sort of big alien main characters are they going to have? Because, I mean, if you, even if you look at Star Wars aliens in the past movies, like a lot of them, like, you know, sort of the first ones that jump to mind, Rodians, Twi'leks, Togrudas, Zabrax, all those kind of things. I mean, they don't necessarily require CG or motion capture. And um, you can just do that with like somebody in a mask or face paint or whatever. So, um, I mean, I'm, I'm just sort of trying to maybe it's just that I want to be surprised. Maybe it's just that I'm trying to keep an open mind, but I'm not jumping right to that conclusion. Um, that he's definitely going to be playing some sort of CG character. But again, like I said, if they are going to do that, I think it's, you know, they, they picked the the best guy they could possibly go with. Um, but then like, I mean, what you were saying as far as um, surprises, disappointments, anything like that in the cast. And we had talked about this before, how a lot of casting announcements these days get a lot of backlash. And I've been really maybe not super surprised, but I've been happy with um, a lot of the reaction that I've been reading online because it seems like a lot of people are excited about this. Yeah. And I haven't really seen any negative backlash because, um, and and I said it before, I sort of compared it to um, the casting of Ben Affleck as Batman. Ben Affleck's a really well-known actor and people sort of have their own perceptions and their own images of him as an actor and as a person and what they think he can do. And then they have their own perception of Batman and what that character is supposed to be, what he's supposed to look like, what he's supposed to do, how he's supposed to act, etc. And I think for a lot of people just, you know, their image of Ben Affleck and their image of Batman don't line up. And so they think, you know, those two don't go together. But when you have a bunch of, I don't want to say completely unknown actors because we only have one completely pretty much unknown actor in the cast, which is uh, Daisy Ridley, who's only been in like a few BBC dramas and is really sort of new to the whole professional acting game. Um, But then a lot of these people like John Boyega is best known for the movie Attack the Block, which um, I've heard is good. I haven't seen it. I want to see it now just to sort of see this guy and see what he can do. But, um, you know, these aren't like big A-list stars by any stretch of the imagination, um, I would say probably the most famous one might be Max von Sydow just because he's he's like 85 years old and has acted in pretty much everything, but he still is not – I mean like a lot of Hollywood people who know a lot of films and know a lot of actors are going to know who this guy is, but he's still not somebody that you know, just sort of modern moviegoers are going to recognize from being in a bunch of like big, huge – A-list production, so to speak. So, I mean, these guys are not like huge marquee names. Um, and so people don't have as high expectations of them. And like I said, we don't know what characters are going to be playing. So, I mean, it's, they don't have like those huge expectations placed on them, but I think people are just excited that there's a new star Wars movie happening. They're excited to know who the cast is and, um, they're just sort of you know, embracing these new actors and saying, okay, great, you know, hope we see what you can do. Now, um, Tim, you're going to remember this better than I do, but was there any sort of 
you know, skepticism or backlash or anything like that when people like Hayden Christensen or Natalie Portman were cast for the prequels? I think the only backlash that I remember, at least for uh, episode one, was um, Jake Lloyd, mainly because it was a kid in a Star Wars movie playing Anakin Skywalker. That took a lot of people by surprise and I think just like hard to accept that Anakin's going to be a little kid in episode one. But I remember for like Ewan McGregor, Natalie Portman, and even Liam Neeson, there was a lot of excitement about that because there was always like a buzz surrounding Ewan McGregor and Natalie Portman as being like the next upcoming great actors coming up and they're going to be in Star Wars. So there was a lot of buzz surrounding those two and I think excitement and just like, oh man, this is like almost perfect casting for a Star Wars movie. And then for Hayden Christensen, I remember it being kind of uh, mixed, really. Just a lot, a lot of it because there was a bunch of rumors, kind of how Mr. Seven was who was going to be Anakin Skywalker, and then people kind of had their own actors picked already. And then when he got cast, it was kind of like, okay, never, never really heard of him before. Like, what has he done? And just I think people had their own adult Anakin in their head already when he got cast. So this one, comparing it to the prequels, is totally different in my opinion or as far as me i pretty much haven't seen these actors in anything i've never really heard them before except from rumored stories that we've been following doing this podcast and keeping up with the news for episode seven so because with ewan mcgregor and natalie portman i've kind of heard of them before but not necessarily was too familiar by seeing their movies but i knew of them but this one i was like i had no clue really <laughs> of who these actors were and maybe it just shows how out of tune i am with other like uh, movies and TV shows if they're not uh, comic book related or Star Wars related. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I'm kind of in agreement with you or as far as a little bit surprised with the reaction that some of the online reaction from fans was. The majority of it has been positive. I mean, of course, there is going to be some negativity out there. I've seen some negative comments. The only thing that I have seen were some concern or, or maybe some disappointment that there wasn't enough... Uh, they were expecting maybe some more female lead characters besides just uh, Daisy Ridley and Carrie Fisher being announced in this first press release. So I did see some disappointment with that. But overall, I haven't seen too much like knocking a particular actor to saying, oh, they're not going to be good or this isn't going to be great. So yeah, overall, I think it's generally been pretty positive. Yeah, well, see, the reason I brought that up and was asking about the prequels, it's like just because people are sort of receptive to it now because they haven't really heard of these actors before – um, doesn't necessarily mean that's going to be the case after the movies come out because you know, if, if people were happy about Hayden Christensen being cast as Anakin before the movies came out, obviously now looking back on it, like he's one of the main reasons people complain about the prequels and say that they don't like him as an actor and um, you know he ruined it and otherwise it could have been great, but I just can't stand watching that guy act. I mean, I hear that from people all the time. So um, obviously just because people are, are receptive of this now doesn't necessarily mean that everything's going to be perfect. Now I'm hoping that these, uh, that these actors are going to do a great job. I'm sure that, you know, JJ Abrams and everybody involved have, you know, done their homework, so to speak. And, um, you know, really put a lot of thought and effort into who's going to be the best people to play these roles. Um, and I mean, yeah, like you were saying, a lot of these guys aren't, really well known but from what i've heard and just sort of what i've been reading today i mean the people that do know of these actors um particularly john boyega and oscar isaac and adam driver um they're like they're not super well-known actors but a lot of the stuff that they've been in has been critically acclaimed like uh especially adam driver and oscar isaac were both in the film um, inside lewin davis which came out, I think came out last year and was nominated for a lot of awards at the most recent Academy Awards. And so, 
Um, they're, like I said, actors who aren't particularly well known, but for the people who do know them, um, it seems like they have pretty good reputations and it seems like they're, um, considered pretty good actors and like, kind of like what you were saying about Hayden Chris or, uh, about Natalie Portman and Ewan McGregor at the time they were cast in Star Wars, where they kind of haven't quite hit it big yet, but they have potential to sort of be some of the next big stars in Hollywood. And I think if the new Star Wars movies are good and if these guys do, really well and people like their characters and like their performances, then yeah, obviously this could be something that rockets their careers to the next level. Yeah. And I'm sure it will. I mean, regardless if you think it's good or not, I mean, I think it's a lot of people are going to get familiar with these actors and they're going to probably become household names pretty much, especially if it's a big, massive hit. I mean, these will just be names you'll become familiar with probably within the next two years. So I'm sure all these actors are super excited to now be a part of Star Wars and just kind of the exposure they're going to get from them now. I mean, just can't imagine what's going through their heads knowing that they're being in Star Wars. Yeah. Now, okay, uh, one thing I want to ask you. Well, first I'll say this. I mean, like you said, uh, the only – kind of the only complaints I've heard from people are that uh, for one thing, I've I've heard people – um, saying that, um, like you brought up, that there weren't enough female characters and that they would have liked to see one or two more you know, female members added to this main cast. But also I've heard a lot of people complaining about the the absence of Lando and Billy Dee Williams. Mm. Um, and, you know, that's something where maybe they just didn't have room for him in this movie. Maybe he'll still be in it and they'll just have, you know, a minor part or a cameo appearance or something. And they just didn't, you know, invite him to this big table read because it's not, uh, you know, he might not have as big a role in it as some of the other characters, but I, I hope and would probably expect that we're going to see Lando at least at some point in the sequel trilogy. But I mean, if this movie is supposed to sort of be a reintroduction to Han and, and Luke and Leia and R2 and 3PO and Chewbacca, as well as introducing all these new characters. I'm like, I don't necessarily mind if they don't throw Lando in the mix right off the bat. But um, I don't know. But one thing I was going to ask you is, did any of these sort of strike you right off the bat as to where you thought, um, you know, maybe had any any predictions, any early predictions as to who these guys might be playing um, as far as whether it's, you know, an EU character that you think they might bring into the new movies or whether it's just like a certain type of character or anything like that, anything like jump right out at you? Um, I would say three. Uh, first off, I would go with Don uh, Gleason. Um, looking at his picture, I can kind of see maybe he's, if he is going to have an offspring or be a relation to Luke, he will be part of the Skywalker family. That's the prediction or the feel I'm getting with him. And then just because, I don't know if they did this on purpose or if it's just a coincidence, but uh, Daisy Ridley is sitting in between Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher. And I've heard a lot of people kind of speculate about this too, how that she's probably going to end up being their daughter. And we'll see if she has a brother or not, but or any other siblings. But So I think uh, Donald Gleason is going to be part of the Skywalker family, and then Daisy Ridley is going to be uh, part of the Solo family. And then the other one would probably be Adam Driver, just because the report that we heard earlier of him being cast in the movie said he was going to be the villain. Now, they said he was going to be a Sith. I don't know about that, but I think he will be a villain just because they were right about him being cast in the movie. So maybe they were right about him playing the villain of Episode 7. So those are the three that kind of jumped out to me right away. The other ones, like John Boyega and um, Oscar Isaac, um, those can go either way for me. I know we're supposed to get a new uh, set of trio leads, so either one of them can be the other part of that trio who I think that uh, Daisy Ridley and Donald Gleason are going to be. 
So those two are kind of up in the air for me. But yeah, Adam Driver, Donald Gleason, and Daisy Ridley are the three that I'm kind of getting an idea of who they're going to play in this movie. Yeah, and you know, I pretty much had the exact same reaction. Uh, maybe not so much with Adam Driver as the villain, but um, yeah, I think my first instinct was Daisy Ridley. Um, just looking at her, I was like, yeah, I could kind of see her as Princess Leia's daughter. And then I looked at the picture, and uh, like I said, I think I was still looking at sort of the small version of it on my phone. And so I couldn't quite tell where Harrison Ford was in the picture. Um, because toward, sort of towards the front of the picture, you see Mark Hamill talking to, it's actually Anthony Daniels, but um, it's, you know, all you can see in the picture is that he's talking to somebody who, it, it's a guy, he looks kind of old, his hair is kind of white. And so I guess I just sort of jumped to the conclusion that that was Harrison Ford um, and that there was this other old guy sitting off in the corner next to J.J. Abrams. But I saw <laughs> Daisy Ridley sitting next to Carrie Fisher and was like, oh, what if she's Princess Leia's daughter? And that's why she's sitting next to her. And then when I looked at the big picture blown up on my computer and saw that that was Harrison Ford over there next to Carrie Fisher and J.J. Abrams and that Daisy Ridley was sitting in between Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher, I was like, OK, yeah, if – you know, if anything, I'm betting that, you know, that would be Han and Leia's daughter. Um, you know, unless, like you said, it's just coincidence that she happened to be sitting there or maybe J.J. Abrams was or, you know, Harrison Ford was sitting next to J.J. Abrams and then Carrie Fisher came in and she's taking this young person who's like the only other woman on the cast and kind of taking her under her wing. And they just happen to go and sit down next to Harrison Ford and J.J. Abrams. But certainly, like, if there's anything to be uh sort of assumed from that picture and we're not reading into it too much i would think that that was i mean if anything that's like my biggest prediction is that she's going to be their daughter um but also yeah i had the same reaction looking at uh dom hall gleason first when i went and looked up his uh you know i looked him up on like imdb and wikipedia and stuff and i saw his name in the casting announcement and was like you know i think i've heard that name before but i you know it doesn't really ring a bell. I don't know who this guy is. Like, I can't put a face with the name. I don't know what movies he's been in, anything like that. Um, but then I went and, you know, as soon as I looked him up and saw his picture, I was like, oh, that guy, because uh, he hasn't been in a ton of like, or he hasn't had a ton of well-known roles in anything. But um, if you've seen the Harry Potter films, and of course, those are huge worldwide hits. He played uh, one of the Weasley brothers, I think, Bill Weasley, maybe in the in the last two movies of the series, uh, the Deathly Hallows Part One and Two. And so, as soon as I saw his face and saw the red hair and everything, I was like, "Oh yeah, I saw that guy in Harry Potter." Um, but then the, I, I looked at a few more pictures of him, and was like, "You know, I could see this guy being Luke Skywalker's son." Um, and so, yeah, I kind of drew that same conclusion there. And then with Adam Driver being uh, supposedly being the villain, or at least that's what we've heard rumored. And it seems like a lot of people are sort of jumping to that conclusion now. Um, see, I'm not quite so sure about that because I'm, I mean, I, I guess I'm just sort of trying to keep the options open here. And, um, I'm thinking if that they, if they do have Han and Leia have a son as well as a daughter, I think it could be him. And just because, I mean, if they're saying he's the villain, maybe they're, sort of going with the Darth Cadis storyline where Jason turns to the dark side. So maybe he could start off as a hero and then become the villain. Um, and of course I'm not predicting that that's going to happen. I'm just saying that's, you know, one possible scenario, but I mean, we don't know how much of the stories they're going to keep from the EU or the characters or anything like that. So we could be way off base here. None of these could be accurate and they could be going with something completely different, but um, I'm just not you know totally convinced that he's, 
um, sort of going to sort of like start off the film being the main villain. Cause I could kind of see him as, I don't know, maybe just looking at him, he has that kind of look of maybe like an Anakin Skywalker type who could be sort of the, the hero with a dark side that ends up going down the wrong path. So, um, I don't know, that was sort of my, my initial feeling on that, but I mean, maybe he's a completely different character. Maybe he's a, a big bad villain. Maybe he's not a villain at all. So, I mean, we'll just have to wait and see there. Yeah. So he's away though, because we know we're, we're getting a trio of new leads. There's going to be at least like three other characters who we kind of have to speculate who they're going to be. One of them has to be a villain, whether it's going to be you know, John Boyega or Oscar Isaac or even um, Max von Sydow, who they're going to, what are their roles going to be is kind of up in the air, unless we're completely wrong and we kind of have it mixed up where the lead trio is going to be two other actors. But yeah, it's still up in the air and we just have to speculate more on this now instead of who's going to be in it now that we know who are they going to be playing that's going to be probably the one minor disappointment i guess with this press release i know we talked about it too where we're kind of hoping it's one big announcement where we get the cast and a brief character synopsis on who they're playing so we didn't get that yet but we know that should be coming hopefully soon but this gives us more time to speculate (laughs) like we're doing now and i'm sure maybe as little trinkets of info comes out maybe our speculation and thoughts will change on who's playing who so yeah it's still more speculation to be had but definitely one aspect of it is complete where we know who's going to be in it just Mm -hmm. a matter of who they're going to be playing well another thing that i thought was interesting is that uh, john boega is the first name listed on this press release um so i think he might be sort of the center of the new trio of characters and maybe backed by two of Han and Leia's kids, maybe a solo kid and Luke's son or, you know, whatever the case may be. But yeah, it does seem, I, I guess the consensus kind of seems to be that the new trio is going to be um, John Boyega and Daisy Ridley and then probably Don Hall Gleason. Um, and then because Oscar Isaac is a little bit older, I think he's like 35 um, and then Andy Serkis is like 50 and Max von Cito is 85. So, of course, those are going to be older characters but the other thing i mean i was kind of thinking about this and sort of trying to compare to some of the other actors we've heard rumored and some of the different roles i mean one of the things we had heard rumored was that they might be looking for like a 40 something uh military type guy and something well maybe that's oscar isaac if that is you know still a role that they're looking for um also i think that one reason that i wasn't so quick to jump to the conclusion that andy circus was going to be playing a a completely CG character is that we had heard rumors that, um, you know, Gary Oldman was in consideration for a part. Hugo Weaving was in consideration for a part. And so I was thinking, um, since obviously those guys haven't had their names included in the cast that, uh, maybe Andy Serk is, is filling that role since he's kind of around the same age as those other guys, or maybe they decided to go older and that's the role that they ended up picking Max Moncito for. Um, and, of course, this is all just sort of rampant speculation on my part and just sort of uh, thinking about all this stuff and wondering where they could go with it and um, sort of trying to line stuff up with what we've heard before. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, what are some of the other rumors we've had before that we could uh, sort of compare this stuff to? I know <laughs> we have a lot to go through, but another quick thing that I kind of noticed or found kind of interesting was that um, – we're speculating that Luke might have a kid also, but we know, or at least we're assuming that Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher are 
<laughs> I come with Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher, but they're playing Han Solo and Princess Leia. So we're assuming that they're going to have a child together. The question is, what about Luke? I mean, we heard that there were some disappointments that there wasn't another uh, female lead character in here. But then not, not too long after we got this announcement, uh, the Hollywood Reporter had a story saying, oh, there's still another casting announcement yet to come that's supposed to be another uh, female uh, character. It's supposed to be a lead role. And that just got me thinking, is that going to be maybe Luke's wife in this movie or someone who had a relationship with Luke and thought their son was going to be the player, the, act, the character played by, um, see, I'm already forgetting his name, Don Hulkley. <laughs> and uh, so it just makes me think of what's Luke's situation if all of our speculation is true that he's going to have a son. Who's his wife going to be or his love interest was going to be? Is that going to be like a central part of the story that something happens to her? Or is it just a part that hasn't been cast yet? So that was something else I noticed too. If Luke is going to have a child here, um, whoever his wife was going to be hasn't been announced or cast yet because it's only Carrie Fisher and uh, who we're suspecting is going to be their daughter, Daisy Ridley. So that's something that else that kind of caught my attention where is that aspect of Luke and if he is going to have a son going to be addressed in here or is that going to be part of the mystery of episode seven or some sort of plot secret that they want to keep secret for a while? I mean, who knows? This is another thing to speculate, though. <laughs> yeah, well, once again, I kind of had almost the exact same reaction to that that you did. When I was looking at uh, sort of, like I said, when I was researching all these different actors and when I got around to Don Hall Gleason and was looking up pictures of him and stuff, I was like, you know, I could kind of see him as Luke Skywalker's son, but he has red hair. And I'm like, on the one hand, you know, there's weird stuff with genetics. Like, I'm sure there's probably a one in a large number chance that a blonde and a brunette could have a kid who comes out having red hair or something like that. But of course, when you consider um, the expanded universe, which again is since they're not sticking by that anymore, it's like, we don't know if they still might pull some of those characters or not, or if they're going to go in completely different directions, but it's kind of hard to ignore it when that's all we have to go on right now. So, um, you know, when you see a guy who has red hair and looks like he could be Luke's son, obviously the first thing for me that came to mind was Mara Jade. And I was like, okay, well, is she going to be in the movie? We didn't see any other older women in the casting announcement. So is there going to be, you know, is Luke going to have a wife? Is this guy really going to be his son? Or is it just going to be some completely different character who just happens to look like Luke? Um, and, you know, we could just be going rampant with the speculation here. But um, then, like you said, when this casting announced or when this other rumor from The Hollywood Reporter came out saying that, um, yeah, the casting isn't completely finished. They're looking for one more female role. And it seems like, or at least in that article and from some other comments I've heard, it seems like people are leaning towards the rumor that we've heard about Obi-Wan maybe having a, a granddaughter who's like mixed race or something like that. And we oh, have yeah. heard um, <laughs> Lupita Nyong'o and uh, Maisie Richardson Sellers or something like that. I think that's her name, who is, uh, you know, another sort of unknown British actress. Um, and we'd heard those names, their names rumored for that part. And so they're like, well, you know, is that still the part that they're thinking about? Has that part been written out of the movie? Is it some other female character? And of course I'm, I'm sort of hoping it's, it's Mara Jade, but at the same time, I guess if they're not going to go with, uh, you know, either with that exact character or with another character who would be a love interest for Luke, um, I guess I could kind of see them not wanting to include that in episode seven, just because it's like, if you're going to have Luke be married and you're going to have Han and Leia be married and, you know, I'm sure just, you know, sort of looking at the past trends of star Wars, there will probably be some sort of romantic subplot with two of the lead characters. 
Um, and so, you know, maybe they don't want to have that many relationships going on at once. Cause I mean, it's not like you can just sort of establish that, you know, these older couples like, Oh yeah, they've been married. They're doing their thing, whatever. Like the last time we saw Han and Leia, they were just starting to fall in love. But now we want to know like, Oh, what happened when they got married and they had kids and you know, what's gone on in all these long years between episode six and now. Um, and then same thing with Luke, obviously, since in the movies, he never even had a love interest. Well, he did. And then she turned out to be his sister, but he didn't have a love interest after that. So, you know, if he ended up having a wife or something and then having a kid, like they would have to sort of introduce us to that character and that relationship and what's all going on there. So it might be a bit much if they're going to have all that sort of, uh, you know, relationship stuff going on. But at the same time, I mean, if we're, if our suspicions are correct about, uh, Gleason being, uh, Skywalker's son, then yeah, I would hope that this last female lead that they're trying to cast is, um, you know, Luke's wife and this guy's mother and all that kind of stuff, just so we sort of get the whole Skywalker family tree, uh, fleshed out. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see if this rumor even pans out, if they do announce any more actors. I mean, of course this isn't the complete cast because I'm sure there are going to be plenty more background actors and sort of more minor characters and stuff, but these are the the main players. And so we'll see if they end up adding one more name to that list or more. Uh, you had to go back and mention that Obi-Wan's granddaughter. I was so <laughs> it's just the rumor casting. that won't die. <laughs> I was so excited about this casting announcement that that thought didn't even pop into my head. And now I'm thinking, Oh, what if uh, Daisy Ridley isn't Han and Leia's daughter? And what if they had uh, two boys, <laughs> maybe Oscar Isaac and Donald Gleason is their kid. And, what if this other uh, rumored final female role is going to be Obi-Wan's granddaughter and not Luke's love interest? Like, great. Now I'm all worried again. Thanks a lot. <laughs> but so that didn't cross your mind at all when you saw the casting announcement? No, it really didn't. No. Because that was sort of the one thing I was looking for going in. I was like, oh, okay, so they finally announced the cast. Let me look through this list of names and see if there's that one girl on there that they said was going to be Obi-Wan's granddaughter because then, you know, I'm sure Tim won't be happy about that. Yeah, I would have had one complaint about this casting announcement if that was any indication <laughs> that that might be the case. But <laughs> yeah, like you said, it's that rumor that just won't die. <laughs> yeah, well, we will see what becomes of it. I mean, it's kind of funny because the more I think about it, the more I almost like the idea of them sort of just continuing on the Kenobi legacy as well somehow. Um, see, I'd rather just them have you and McGregor come back as a force ghost and just do what they can to make it resemble more like Alec Guinness. Than- I mean, I would, I would love to see that too, if they could pull it off and make it work. I think that would be pretty cool. But I mean, I guess I've sort of warmed up to the idea a little bit. I still think, you know, there are ways they could do it right. And there are ways they could do it wrong. And maybe it's not the best idea, but if they did, I wouldn't like flip the table. Yeah. I'll never do that. I mean, I'm always going to give any story idea, the benefit of the doubt till I see it, but doesn't mean I won't have the highest uh, expectations for it or excitement for it when it, if that does happen. But that might be something that, geez, we won't even find out till we see the movie or if it gets spoiled somehow. That might be something they want to keep secret. I mean, you know there's going to be secrets in the movie that they're going to want to try to keep under wraps. Maybe not to the extent where J.J. Abrams tried to keep uh, Khan under wraps by actually saying, no, he's not in it, but... There's definitely going to be stuff in there they're not going to want to get out, some big plot twist or a character relationship twist or something like that. Yeah, I was going to say this could be the the Benedict Cumberbatch con of this movie where you know, <laughs> maybe they do end up casting that actress and then 
you know, everybody's like, oh, this is the one that was rumored to be playing Obi-Wan's granddaughter, right? But then we don't get any official confirmation on that until we actually see the movie. And it was like, yep, that rumor was true all along. It's, that's probably going to be the last thing. <laughs> like I said, maybe it won't be until the movie comes out or gets revealed or spoiled somehow. But it's because it's the one I'm so concerned about the most. It's going to be the one that will keep dragging on and on <laughs> until we actually get to the Episode 7 release. And then only then will I be either real happy or disappointed. Yeah, well, maybe they'll just cast Mara Jade instead and there won't be another female lead and you won't have to worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> but that would make a lot of EU fans happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And again, that's one of the things I'm excited to see here is like how much of the existing EU stuff they incorporate into it because, I mean, in interviews and stuff, um, I think I've heard, you know, J.J. Abrams and all these people talking about, yeah, we're aware of it, we're looking at it, we're not necessarily, like, restricting ourselves to that. Or I mean, you know, they didn't really give a clear answer on whether or not they were going to use it or whether or not it was still canon until just this most recent uh, release that we just talked about with the EU stuff. But, um, I mean, I, I hope that they still incorporate at least some elements into it. You know, maybe even if they change the story, even if the you know, when this movie starts 30 years after Return of the Jedi, if the movie, or if the sort of state of the galaxy and where things are ends up being completely different than where they would have been after the Thrawn trilogy or something like that, you could still maybe have somebody mention, you know, they're talking about like, oh, how much the galaxy's changed in the past 30 years. And first we defeated the Emperor, and then we defeated Admiral Thrawn when he tried to take over. And, you know, just sort of dropping references like that and sort of, um, acknowledging that they're still, you know, that they're aware of that stuff, that they know the fans like that stuff, and that there's still room for it somewhere, even if they're not going to follow every event of every story to the letter. Because, um, I mean, they sort of did that with Clone Wars when they had Darth Bane in, uh, in that last Clone Wars episode with Yoda. It's like they don't need to sort of retell that entire Darth Bane story and, um, you know, sort of acknowledge it in that way where they make the entire thing canon and explain every point of it. But just to sort of acknowledge that character and have him in there, I think was pretty cool. So hopefully we get some stuff like that with episode seven. Yeah, see, especially after the heels of the E announcement we just got um, last Friday, I'm pretty much expecting nothing to be acknowledged for it. No, not even hints or like nods to the hats to like past EU stories or character. I'm just expecting nothing for, at least for the movies. I think in that press release, where they said that we're aware of it or like it hasn't been discarded. I think if anything, it's going to be used for rebels. Cause that's the example they gave in that press release, how we're going to see like maybe some locations from the EU, make it into rebels. And maybe that's as far as it'll go, maybe just in the TV realm. But as far as the movies, I think it's going to be just a whole clean slate where nothing's going to be referenced to the EU. I mean, especially after that, that announcement, like I said, it's just hard for me to think that they will. I mean, who knows? I mean, we've been surprised with a lot of things lately. So I could be wrong, but just again, I just have that feeling, especially after that, after that announcement. That yeah, the new movies, especially the trilogy, maybe the spinoffs or standalone movies can have some nods to it. But I think this new trilogy is going to be really its own thing. That's not going to have one reference at all to any existing EU story. But I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, even in the original six movies, well, at least in the prequels. Um, you know, George Lucas included some references to the EU in there. Like when they name dropped Quinlan Voss in Revenge of the Sith and he made Ayla Sakura a physical character in episode two just because he had seen her on the comic of a or on the cover of a comic book and liked her so much. So 
Um, yeah, I don't think it's beyond the realm of possibility that they'll drop some, just some small nods in there like that. Um, cause the other thing too, I mean, like you said, in that press release, the only thing that they specifically mentioned was rebels, but all the stuff that they mentioned in rebels, like the fact that there will be inquisitors and that they'll mention that the, the Sinar fleet systems is the one building TIE fighters and all that. I mean, that's stuff that we've already seen from rebels in you know, the teaser trailers and the press releases and the propaganda artwork and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I think at one of their panels at one of the conventions, they handed out pins that were like, you know, shaped like a wing of a TIE fighter and on the back it said sign our fleet systems or something. So, I mean, that's all stuff that's already been um, unveiled, I guess. And so, you know, even if they're going to reference stuff like that in episode seven, they're probably just not ready to reveal any story details on that yet. So obviously they weren't going to bring that up yet because they want, uh, you know, they either want to wait till they're ready to reveal more information about it, or that stuff will be just surprise Easter eggs for the hardcore fans that we won't even know about until we go to see the movie. But, um, yeah, I mean, we'll just have to wait and see how that pans out though. Another thing real quick, uh, you mentioned George Lucas, how he picked some of the, like, the EU characters like Ayla Sakura. Just going back to that image, that's the one thing that's missing in this picture. No George Lucas. <laughs> it's something mm. a little weird when, after a few minutes when I saw the picture. Like, yeah, this is Star Wars, but there's no Lucas. <laughs> like, there's the, the new era of Star Wars is in that image where he's not present. And this is a big ordeal, having the whole cast, or at least the whole main cast together for the first uh, table reading of the script. And... Yeah, this is Star Wars without George Lucas. It just still hasn't sunk in. I mean, we're a year and a half after that announcement where he sold it. And now that we're seeing the reality of Episode 7 happening with casting and script reading, then just not seeing George there is still a little weird to me. I don't know if you still have that feel, feeling, but to me, it's, it still seems strange without Lucas. Well... I guess it does feel a little bit weird as far as all this behind the scenes stuff and seeing pictures and all this kind of yeah. stuff. But I mean, at the same time, it's still not totally weird because I mean, even though he might not have been there for the table read, we know that they're consulting with him. We know, you know, we've seen other pictures where we see him talking with JJ Abrams and Kathleen Kennedy. So we know that he, he at least is giving input, even though he's not directly responsible um, and it's not like he's completely gone, you know, it's not like he's dead or in prison or anything where, you know, we know he has absolutely no presence here. Um, and the other thing I think too, like once the movie comes out and when you're sitting there watching it in the theater, hopefully if, um, you know, if they've done a good job with the script, if J.J. Abrams does a good job directing it and all the character, you know, all the actors do a good job with their performances and you're sitting there watching it and it's got that Star Wars feel to it and, uh, you know, the visuals look like Star Wars, the the action and the adventure and the excitement is all there and you're hearing the John Williams music. I mean, I'm hoping like when I'm sitting there in the in the theater watching it that I'm not even going to notice, you know, I'm not going to be like, oh, so this is what Star Wars looks like without George Lucas, huh? Like, I'm just hoping that it all feels like Star Wars. Yeah, and I think it's going to be that way, or at least I'm expecting it to Or I'm just seeing another great Star Wars movie and that thought won't even pop into my head. But yeah, it's just like you said, seeing the behind the scenes stuff, it still seems a little strange not seeing George Lucas being involved in that as much as he used to. Because you know he'd be <laughs> right in the middle of this uh, script reading that's going on with the cast. So that's what jumped out at me a little bit as far as Lucas and his presence with it. But I think you're totally right about when it all comes down to seeing the movie. It's going to be somewhere I won't even think about as I'm sitting in the theater, unless it's a big drastic change and this doesn't even feel like Star Wars. But like I said, I don't think that's going to be the case. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't think that will be the case because 
I mean, I've said this before, but even like just the times when I've watched J.J. Uh, Abrams Star Trek movies in the theater, obviously those times he's not even trying to make it feel like Star Wars. Well, I guess he was trying to make it feel like Star Wars a little bit because he's talked about yeah. in interviews and stuff how he was influenced by Star Wars, how he always liked Star Wars more than Star Trek and how he tried to add more of, um, you know, sort of the, the fun and the action and adventure and lightheartedness to it and not be so serious as some of the original Star Trek stuff. And so you can definitely see the Star Wars influence in there, but um, you know, it's not like he was trying to make it feel exactly like Star Wars. They weren't trying to replicate the original trilogy. They weren't trying to make a new Star Wars movie. And yet, the, I mean, the first time when I saw the first Star Trek movie, I'm sitting there watching it in the theater going, man, if they ever do a reboot or a remake of Star Wars or like more Star Wars movies or anything like that, and, um, you know, George Lucas isn't the one directing it then I hope they get this guy to do it because this would be pretty awesome. Like, this looks like how you reboot a classic sci-fi series. Um, and then when I saw Star Trek Into Darkness, by that point, J.J. Abrams had already been announced as the director of Episode Seven, and I'm sitting there just watching, you know, ships flying by the camera or just a view of, you know, a planet coming on screen or a ship flying towards a planet or landing on a planet or something like that. Just sort of simple... Simple stuff, but just these shots that sort of remind you of, of things in Star Wars where you see a ship landing on a planet for the first time or something like that. And I was like, man, seeing this in Star Wars is going to be really cool. So, yeah, I mean, if I, if I get that feeling from watching a movie by the same director, but that's not even supposed to be Star Wars, like I have a feeling that when he actually goes to you know put his hand to making Star Wars, I think it's going to be great. Yeah, <laughs> couldn't agree with you more on that. I have the exact same feeling when watching Into Darkness. <laughs> it's like, man, I can't wait to see what he does with Star Wars, seeing how good he's doing with Star Trek. <laughs> so, yeah, no worries there. Yeah, none for me either. But, um, you know, I think we've talked the casting announcement to death enough. Um, and, you know, I'm sure that there's going to be plenty more to discuss in the future as we get more information about the story and what characters all these actors are playing and if there are any more casting announcements to be made to be made and uh, you know any names added to the cast of course we'll keep an eye out for that i've also heard rumors that we're supposed to or that we might be getting a uh, a reveal or announcement of the title of the movie at san diego comic-con this year so i mean that would be pretty cool but um sense. Yeah, I think we, before we move on to our last segment, I think we've got uh, like some listener feedback and stuff about the casting announcement too, right? I know you were asking on our Facebook and Twitter what people thought of this. Yeah, we actually got two emails and a Facebook comment regarding the casting. The first one is from Facebook from Martin Nelman. Uh, first off, he starts a four-hour episode. <laughs> I don't know if we'll make it that far, but uh, maybe we could have tried to break our three-hour one. Maybe we'll save that for when the trailer hits. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it goes on to say, so this is probably the best cast announcement in my memory. A few cast shoe-ins and a couple of surprises too, but good surprises, not Ben Affleck surprises. We now have Max von Sydow, who's an amazing actor, and Andy Mocap Circus. Great cast. Also, do you think Billy D will come back in a cameo? So now I have a big question to post to you too. What's next in terms of official behind-the-scenes news? because leaks and unofficial news could quickly fall into spoiler territory. Does this mean that we can start to getting prepared for official cast photos? Can't wait to hear of what's to come, and I think we can all say that we are all happy that this chapter is now over. <laughs> yeah, definitely agree that all the speculation of actors and casting is now done. 
except for like we talked about maybe some other minor roles and not rumored other lead female role but definitely ready to move on <laughs> to the next phase of episode seven but as far as this question is uh what does he think um, is next as far as behind the scene news i think he was kind of on the same point that i was leading towards where he said official cast photos maybe not cast photos but i'm kind of thinking maybe more character information is going to be the next big thing because like you were mentioned, maybe the title will be at San Diego Comic-Con, and I think that makes sense as Episode three's title was revealed there. But before we get that title, I think we're going to get some more character information. Maybe like a, just some small update on StarWars.com is going to have like the list of each actor or the name of each actor and then the brief description of what roles they're playing. Nothing too revealing, but just to give us an idea. So if I had to guess, I think that'll be the next big uh, Episode seven news that we're going to get now that we got the cast. Yeah, and you know I'm right with you on that because I think that's just sort of the logical next step is to get. Um, well, you know I, I think we might get a plot summary, you know, like a brief plot synopsis and just sort of a brief description of each character. Um, we might get that all at the same time. I don't. We might still have to wait a little bit for a title, especially because right now, you know, we can just work off the title Star Wars Episode Seven. It's not like here's a plot description for this unnamed Star Wars movie and we're going to tell you, you know, what happens in it, but we're still not going to tell you the name of it. Like we know Star Wars episode seven is going to be in the title. So, um, you know, whatever the, you know, a new hope or empire strikes back or whatever the second part of the title is going to be, they might wait till later to tell us that. But actually if I had to make a prediction, um, and I'm hearing, you know, some people are speculating that maybe we'll get some more information on May 4th on Star Wars Day because a lot of people were expecting that's when we'd be getting this announcement, uh, myself included. So I was uh, wrong about that prediction. Oh, and also congratulations, Tim, on not being wrong with your April prediction. Uh, you just slipped in with one day <laughs> well, left to go that we got the casting announcement in April. I was right about the month of April, but I was wrong on the week. I was off by one week. <laughs> I was expecting it last week. If I just would have said at the very end of April, I would have been right. So maybe I'd just get a half a point. <laughs> eh, close enough. So some people think we might be getting this on Star Wars Day, but I think that probably in the next couple of weeks as they get ready to start production, like maybe on the first day of actual principal shooting there in London, um, I think is when we're going to get another press release saying like, hey, filming is officially now underway on Star Wars Episode Seven. Um, here's the cast, if they've added anybody else to it. Um, but, you know, even if they haven't, they'll probably recap, be like, you know, J.J. Abrams is directing and Kathleen Kennedy's producing, and here's all the actors, you know, just sort of running down all the names again like they do in these press releases. And then they'll say, um, you know, so the movie takes place after, you know, 30 years after Return of the Jedi, and this is what's going on in the galaxy, and this is what the movie's about, and John Boyega plays this person, and Daisy Ridley plays this person, and so it'll just sort of be a, a brief um, sort of synopsis of all that kind of stuff. That would be, that's my prediction right now, because um, it seems like, um, I think maybe there have been other movies that I'm thinking of, I can't really remember any off the top of my head, but that seems like that's usually about when they... Uh, get ready to release all that kind of stuff. I'm just hoping that they don't wait too long um, to reveal all this because, you know, then, like you said, we start getting into spoilers and leaked photos and rampant rumors and speculation and all that kind of stuff that I'm like, I would rather just have a little bit of official information. I mean, even if it's not a ton, even if we still don't really know all that much about the story, um, even if we just sort of know, like maybe 
who all the character who all the actors play like what their characters are and just sort of maybe one line like Luke Skywalker has to train his apprentice played by so-and-so to defend the galaxy from this or whatever. Um, Just so that I I think that will sort of ease people's minds a little bit and we won't be quite so rabid to try to figure out everything that's going on. It's like, just give us just enough to sort of please the masses so that people won't, um, you know, go crazy with the the speculation and the spoilers and all that kind of stuff, because I really do not want to be spoiled on this movie. Um, and hopefully we won't be because I mean, they might be traveling to some outdoor locations to be filming, but I know they're filming a lot of it in this Pinewood studios in London. And so, um, you know, whether they're like building sets on sound stages or filming on green screen or whatever, I mean, I'm sure a lot of it's going to be indoors and they're going to have security and people won't be able to like sneak in with their cameras and post leaked stuff online. But, um, you know, there still might be some stuff where they're at some outdoor location. And I mean, we already got a, a leak like that. I think we talked about it in our last episode where people were seeing like, oh, is that a giant AT-AT foot that they're shooting out here in Abu Dhabi or something like that? So um, and hopefully the more information they give us, even if it's not a lot, but, you know, just sort of just enough to to keep us a little bit in the loop and keep, you know, sort of satisfy people's curiosity um, hopefully that will keep people from being too um, invasive of their privacy and too trying to figure everything out and spoil it for the rest of us. Yeah, I'm really hoping they go the route that a lot of studios do, at least the ones that I pay attention to with like superhero movies, where before they start shooting, they, they release an official image of like the character actor in the character costume. And so I'm hoping they go the same route like before they actually start shooting to avoid all those leaked uh, snapshot photos from just from people out there that are trying to get a scoop and so we get a nice clean looking clear image of the, the character they're supposed to look like instead of it being from like someone's a phone or something and it gets leaked out there because if that comes out first uh, i know i'm gonna click on it and see it. <laughs> that's gonna be too hard for me to resist but hopefully that's the route they go but next we also got an email from uh, brian bailey he says hey tim and kyle so glad to hear you're recording a new episode tonight to cover the exciting news about the cast of Episode 7 we got this morning to counter the bad news about the expanded universe we got last Friday. As one of the older generation of Star Wars fans, I am extremely excited to see the return of most of the original trilogy. In my opinion, Star Wars wouldn't be Star Wars without Anthony Daniels and Kenny Baker, perhaps one of the most brilliant ideas George Lucas had in writing. A New Hope was to begin from the perspective of C-3PO and R2-D2, instantly giving way to two droids stranded on a desert planet and drawing the audience into the Star Wars galaxy. I'm positive Peter Mayhew may have been the happiest person on the planet of the news that the EU was wiped clean. Now we had the chance to bring <laughs> Chewbacca back to life. I never thought I would see the day that Harrison Ford repraises his role as Han Solo. Looking forward to the mythos that Grandmaster Luke Skywalker takes the new Jedi Order in post-Yoda's training in Empire Strikes Back. Will Jedi be allowed to marry? How are younglings brought into the new Jedi Order? Perhaps my biggest hope for the original cast is to see Master Jedi Leia Solo. I really hope she, do- she chooses the path of the Jedi over a political career. At least let her choose both. Star Wars needs a stronger female presence than they have had in the past. There are little girls that watch these movies too. Based on the casting announcement, I believe the new trilogy will focus on the trio of Oscar Isaac, John Boyega, and Daisy Ridley. The new trio holds a ton of promise as unknown actors. Oscar and Daisy could easily be the solo siblings. 
As a hopeful father someday, I really hope they knock it out of the park with Daisy Ridley. Did I mention Star Wars needs a stronger female presence? With Domhnall Gleeson playing a, mentor, a member of the Jedi Council, I think it is a pretty safe to say Adam Driver will be a Sith apprentice in Episode 7. The large surprise for me was Andy Serkis. As a huge fan of his work in Lord of the Rings and his work in Rise of the Planet of the Apes, I can't wait to see what character he plays. Most likely a CG character with motion capture. He is brilliant at that. So do you guys think my character predictions are close to being accurate? Do you think Leia will choose the path of a Jedi over, or a political path to rebuild the Republic? Do you think Oscar and Daisy will end up so, being solo siblings? Do you think Max von Sydow will be the Sith Master? Starkiller, perhaps? My feelings on the EU is a mixed bag. They got rid of a lot of good storytelling that has been established over the last 35 years. But then again, they got rid of some bad storytelling as well. What it does most of all is to create a clean slate going forward for the new trilogy, standalone movies, Rebels, and any future projects. Many have mentioned they can incorporate the best parts of the old EU, now called Star Wars Legends, into the new EU. Well, that's all I got. Sorry for the length. Hope you have a great show. Thanks, Brian, for the email. Again, no one ever has to apologize for the length of email. <laughs> it could be a book if you want. Yeah, well, um, yeah, thank you, Brian, for sending your thoughts in. That was kind of uh i'll say i don't know if i'm going to respond to everything in that just because it was so long but the one thing i sort of focused on tim as you were reading that is uh when he said you know he asked like what we thought of his uh casting predictions and i mean that's some of the same stuff we had talked about um but i don't know if i would necessarily agree with um i mean he said oscar isaac could maybe be um, one of the solo kids and, uh, he mentioned Don Hall Gleason as a, maybe a member of the Jedi council. Um, and I'm not quite so sure about that. I would think if by this point, like if Luke has established a new Jedi order and if there's going to be a Jedi master who's on the council, I would think if anyone, it would probably be, um, or at least of those who I would pick Oscar Isaac over Donald Gleason, because, um, I mean, for one thing, we both had Gleason picked to play, uh, you know, Luke Skywalker's son, if they're going to go that route. And also, um, just Oscar Isaac is a little bit older. And uh, I guess just from looking at their two pictures, I could definitely see him more as uh, sort of the older, wiser uh, Jedi Master type. Um, and, well, I don't know. I mean, I guess if they wanted to have him sort of play younger, he could be, um, you know, Han and Leia's son if they wanted to do that. But he's 35, and it's only been 30 years since Return of the Jedi. And as far as we know, Leia wasn't already pregnant in Return of the Jedi. So um, I don't know if the timing there quite works out. But, I mean, yeah, it's it's fun to speculate on all this stuff. And uh, it's one of those things where we'll just have to see who's right, and we'll all be comparing notes when the movie comes out. And we'll be like, oh, I told you, you know, I was right about this, and you were right about that. Yeah, <laughs> that's going to be fun, that's for sure. Yeah. And also, one thing he, one interesting thing he mentioned too about uh, Max von Sydow playing Star Killer. I was like, whoa! I didn't think of that. Um, I, I probably wouldn't bet money on that, especially because I mean, for one thing, we don't even know if they're going to keep Star Killer in the Force Unleashed canon anymore. Um, and I'm sure there's probably going to be some stuff in Rebels that sort of contradicts that. Um, and I mean, I've I've been thinking about that recently, like that I would like to see Star Killer in Rebels, especially if they're not going to keep it completely canon and they're not going to stick with that storyline completely. I'm um, like, then maybe, 
instead of Starkiller being this secret apprentice that Vader is training to hunt down the Jedi, since he's got these Inquisitors to hunt down the Jedi anyways, maybe the Inquisitor is like the main villain for season one, and maybe Kanan defeats him in a lightsaber duel and kills him, or maybe he defeats him and gets away, and Darth Vader force chokes the Inquisitor, and then Starkiller is kind of his replacement, and instead of being Vader's secret apprentice, he's just sort of this young hotshot Inquisitor that comes up, and he's got, you know, this these raw force powers, and then maybe instead of defeating him, maybe Ezra and Kanan and everybody, um, you know, slowly turn him over to their side through his through their various encounters with him, and he ends up, you know, in a different way than he did in the game, but eventually maybe ends up turning to to become a hero and helps found the rebellion, uh, just like he does in the game. So, I mean, that was one theory I had, but then, um, I mean, again, Max Vancito is like 85, and this, I mean, I, I guess if you were to sort of be generous with the timeline, I think you would say uh, Episode 7 would take place like 40 years at most after The Force Unleashed, where Starkiller is probably only like in his early 20s. So I don't know if that would quite work out. And again, if they're if they're not going strictly by the EU, um, you know, if they're not going to keep Admiral Thrawn and Mara Jade and all those people, then I definitely would not expect them to have an 80-year-old Starkiller in the movie. But um, yeah, I don't know. Again, I'm excited to see what, if any, references to the EU they, they throw in there. So, I mean, who knows? Maybe there'll be some kind of reference to that. I actually really like that Star Killer slash Inquisitor theory. <laughs> that could be pretty cool if it plays out that way. Yeah, well, maybe I'll send it to Dave Filoni. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, next time you see him, no big deal, huh? <laughs> yeah, I'll just you know call him up. Hey, Dave, I got an idea for you. But uh, another thing regarding about uh, Max von Sydow, whatever character he's going to play, um, just going by his age, it is kind of cool to know that he should be a character that at least was alive during the prequel in Clone Wars era. Clone Wars era, so it's kind of cool to at least have that a connection in there some way in the new sequel trilogy. Who knows if they'll make any reference to it, but just knowing that there was a character who was alive in that era is still pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, and you know, something that uh, we talked about before when I asked you, like, if any of these actors jumped out as maybe, um, you know, maybe you made a connection between them and a certain EU character in your mind. Um, and one that I forgot to mention when I saw Max in there, I immediately thought I, I guess the first character that jumped to mind i was like well he's an old guy we've heard that there might be some sort of imperial villain maybe he's uh what's his name captain paleon um the you know the guy who's like thrawn's right hand man kind of guy so i mean if anything i was like that could be that that was sort of my first inclination as to what type of character he might be playing but yeah i mean he could be an old jedi master an old sith anything like that um, although I guess I wouldn't really expect him to be a Jedi just because it might be kind of weird to see like a Jedi master who's older than Luke. Yeah. Um, unless he's like a, a hermit in hiding and we find out he's, you know, maybe he'll be some Jedi we met in the Clone Wars or something. And, uh, you know, he's still in hiding and Luke meets him and then he's like, oh, maybe this guy's got something to teach me because he's been a Jedi even longer than I have. Yeah, He's Quillen Boss. Let's put that out there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can see him with dreadlocks. <laughs> I think it is CG it. <laughs> but the only other part of uh, Brian's demo that caught my attention was something I didn't really think about until I read it was what role is actually Princess Leia going to have in the movie? Is it going to be one that's political or is she going to kind of embrace the role of a Jedi? I mean, just for me personally, I always just assume that she'd go more of the political route. Maybe just not just being familiar with more of the EU stories, but they haven't specifically said what she's going to be. I think it would be pretty interesting if kind of her and Luke went the Jedi route or maybe Luke 
doesn't necessarily rebuild the Jedi Order, and Leia does. Maybe Luke wanders off somewhere and kind of becomes, maybe he becomes like the Obi-Wan Hermit for whatever reason, and she's the one who establishes a new Jedi Order. So who knows? But I thought that was a pretty interesting something I didn't really think about, and it's not really defined of what her role is going to be in the new movie. Nah, Carrie Fisher, or Princess Leia is not going to be a Jedi in this movie because, you know, she's going to be sitting there out on her front porch in her rocking chair with the silver hair, <laughs> her hair in the bun hairstyle with silver hair because that's what Carrie Fisher has directly said that she wants to be in this movie. Uh, How can I forget that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't know. It's, uh, I mean, that's an interesting thought too. Um, and yeah, like you said, I hadn't really uh, thought of that too much until uh, you read it from Brian's email, but. Um, yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see where they go with that. Um, and like you said, maybe Luke will go off in search of some ancient Jedi knowledge or something and leave Leia in charge of sort of training the new recruits. Or maybe they'll keep it to where she's more focused on being, um, you know, the princess or the senator or whatever and helping to build up the new Republic and leave the Jedi stuff to Luke. I just hope that they sort of incorporate that into her character somehow um and i think you know they did that in the eu as well where she was more focused on the diplomatic stuff and the politics but she did i mean i think she had her own lightsaber at one point you know she still was training to use the force with luke like when she had the time and she wasn't a full-fledged jedi but that was still an aspect of her character and something that she still um you know held on to and something that she could use in a pinch if she needed to so i mean i would be fine with that because i don't necessarily think that that Makes her. I mean, I know Brian is saying that he wants to see more strong female characters in Star Wars, and I don't think that having a strong female character necessarily has to mean that Princess Leia has to be running around kicking butt with a lightsaber. Um, but you know, if she's being, you know, if she's more concerned with being a mother to her kids and more concerned with you know helping to rebuild this galaxy that's been oppressed by the Empire for so many years and. Um, is doing it through the best way that she knows how, which is through politics and diplomacy, because that's how she was raised. And yet, at the same time, she's someone that you'd know you don't want to mess with, because even if she's not, um, you know, a fighter on the outside, or, you know, that's not the most uh, sort of noticeable trait of her personality, if she still can use the force at times, or she has a lightsaber hidden away somewhere, you know, she can take care of herself when she needs to and can still maybe kick a little butt every once in a while. Um, in fact, that might be a cool reveal in the movie, like maybe towards the end or something, some attacker comes in to go after Leia, or that could be like the introduction to her character at the beginning of the movie, you know, maybe some assassin who doesn't like what she's doing in the political arena comes in to try to assassinate her. And we're all thinking, Oh, like Han or Luke is going to come in and save her. And suddenly she pulls a lightsaber out from under her bed. And, you know, then we find out that Luke's been, uh, you know, secretly training her in, you know, just a little bit of the Jedi stuff. And she's still not a full-fledged Jedi, but she's enough of one that you don't want to mess with her or take her for granted. I think that would be, you know, just as good of a way to sort of make her a, a strong character. And, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be like, oh, the 60-year-old warrior princess. Yeah, that would be pretty cool to see too. Yeah, <laughs> just uh, seeing her use a lightsaber would be pretty interesting. <laughs> Another good theory, Kyle. You're two for two right now in these emails. <laughs> JJ, call me up. <laughs> right, first, you got to talk to Dave Filoni, then you got to talk to JJ. Yep. They should just give me a job over there. Yeah. <laughs> and then our last email comes from my friend Dane. He says, hey, guys. First off, I should say sorry for not emailing you in a while. I know you missed me. <laughs> but, man, this casting announcement caught me by surprise but totally made my day. I mean, of course, we expected the original cast, but to get a whole big announcement was awesome. I have to say, though, 
and Tim would probably agree with me, but the biggest surprise was Andy Serkis. <laughs> I think everyone's in agreement with that one, yeah. Tim knows I'm not the biggest Lord of the Rings fan in the world, but I've always felt that his performance in the movie was something great. But I do hope it's not a mocap performance. Almost all of his roles are almost all of his roles are in a oh, <laughs> I got tongue tied right there. Almost all of his roles are, and while I'm sure he'll do uh, some bizarre creature mocap suit stuff, I hope he has a live action role in the movie. And also, from what I've read, all of the other new actors seem to get glowing reviews, so I'm happy with that. But I have some question for you guys. I kind of asked this question before, but if you were given free reign over who would play who when it comes to the new actors, and yes, the EU is canon in this question, who would play who? Also, now that the casting is set in stone, at least the main cast is, does this change your opinion on these guys on the internet who say they have inside sources and say Jesse, Plem Jesse Plemons will be Luke's son, the actress from 12 Years of Slave will now be in the movie, or Sarsay Ronan, and by the way, I'm just glad we won't have to pronounce her name <laughs> when talking <laughs> about the cast. Uh, does that change your opinion on them if you, in fact, believe them in the first place? Of course, Adam Driver being the exception. And finally, now that the cast has been announced, in your opinion, what will be the next big announcement besides a teaser trailer or the promo posters? Anyways, I hope you guys are happy with the announcement overall and are even more excited. I look forward to hearing what you think. And P.S. Tim didn't I say on our BatFans podcast that the casting announcement was going to be in the last week of April. Yes, everyone's sticking it to me who I <laughs> predicted last week that this was the week that's actually going to come. So I have to hear it again. But... Um, as far as the question about, um, we kind of answered the question as far as what actors and what characters are going to play, even if the EU is in canon. But the one I wanted to take was about, does it change our opinion on like the different internet websites or scoop sites or reports from different sources that say they know this actor is going to be in this role or not? Because as we talked about, not all of it panned out from the year and a half worth of rumors we got. And I'll say that overall, I don't think it really changes my opinion of them because I've always been the type who thought, well, we'll just have to wait and see. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. I mean, it does kind of get annoying when you hear different uh, sites say, oh, you can count this as confirmed. It's fact. You just have to wait to hear it. And then it never happens. So maybe for certain sites, you lose more trust than others. But just in general, I always have the idea of, okay, we'll see if that pans out or not. And if it's something that I really hope it does, great. If not, not too big of a deal. Maybe I'll be a little disappointed, but just always wait for the official casting announcement. So I'll say overall, it hasn't changed my opinion on these different sites. You just got to learn not to trust everything and everyone who says something until you hear it officially from Lucasfilm or Disney. Yeah. And I agree with you on that. Like it didn't really change my perception of it all that much because from the beginning, I've been pretty much taking all this stuff with a grain of salt and uh, you know, paying attention to all this stuff that I hear, but not really buying into it too much. I mean, some of it sounds more credible or more believable than others, um, and you know, some of it seems really far out there, and you don't believe a word of it. But either way, like I'm not going to buy into it fully until we hear uh, the the official announcement from Lucasfilm, which we finally did. But. Um, you know, as far as some of the names that didn't get included, like uh, Jesse Plemons and Saoirse Ronan and some of those other ones, I mean, again, it kind of depends on, like, whatever rumor you're reading or, 
you know, announcement if the the people are claiming like that, yeah, you can just count this as confirmed, um, you know, even though we still take it as rumor. I mean, whatever report you're reading, it kind of depends on how they word it, because I think the ones that say like if if there were any reports that said like, yes, this actor was definitely going to be in it, uh, you can bet on that. Like it's not officially confirmed yet, but trust us, we have good sources like this is pretty much confirmed at this point. And then it doesn't turn out to be true. Well, then it sort of you know, devalues my opinion of that website or of that particular rumor. It's like, yeah, well, you said it was definitely going to happen. And even though, you know, I'm not necessarily like disappointed because I didn't fully believe you in the first place, but you just kind of made a fool of yourself because now you were wrong. But then some of the other ones, um, I mean, for example, the Jesse Plemons rumor, I don't think that was completely... Um, completely off base, I guess, because I think our most recent rumor about him was that they were down to like their top five choices for the lead male role. And of those five names, Jesse Plemons was in there, but also John Boyega. And so from a lot of the rumors and reports that we were hearing, it seemed like Jesse Plemons might be the front runner for that role. But then, um, you know, we see John Boyega, who was also mentioned in that rumor, is now... Um, you know, listed in the official cast. So I'm not thinking, oh, well, whoever said Jesse Plemons is an idiot because that didn't happen and they were way off track. No, I'm like, well, maybe those reports were accurate and he was, um, you know, in sort of the final consideration for the role and just got beat out by somebody else and they decided to pick somebody else for the part. So, I mean, a lot of this stuff kind of lines up and you can see, um, I mean, like I talked about with Andy Serkis too, maybe he's going for, or maybe he was picked for the same role that they had Gary Oldman and Hugo Weaving auditioning for or something like that. I'm sure that Sarah Ronan was probably reading for the same part that ended up going to uh, Daisy Ridley. So, I mean, a lot of this stuff, you know, it's, like I said, there are some people that are, that are off base with their claims that, oh, this is definitely confirmed. But a lot of the rumors that we've been tracking were, you know, oh, we hear that this person is auditioning or this person got a script or this person, you know, had lunch with JJ Abrams or this person said they want to be in it. And I mean, that stuff is all uh, like a lot of it is credible because with a huge project like star Wars, we've said this before, they're going to audition a ton of people. There are a lot of people who want to be involved in it. There are a lot of people who are asked to, who get asked to be involved in it. And you know, the fact that they are sort of linked to it in that regard doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to end up being in the final movie. So I'm sure a lot of the names that we heard thrown around, like they probably did go in for auditions. That part wasn't off track. It's just, you know, don't sort of overblow the, the speculation and read too much into it and think that that's going to be the final casting choice, because obviously that didn't happen for probably like 75% of the people we heard rumored. Yeah, all of these websites have to do is just don't say confirmed until it's actually known and announced by Lucasfilm and all that. Because, like you said, it just makes them look bad. Exactly. I, I just remember the one that pops out to me is the Latina Review saying Benedict Cumberbatch is officially in it. I just remember the post saying he's in it. I mean, you can bank on that. He's going to be in the movie. And now look at it. <laughs> Not a part of it. So just don't say confirmed until it actually is confirmed. And then pretty much most of those problems would be solved. But unfortunately, not every site does that. Yeah. Well, then again, I mean, knowing J.J. Abrams' history with Benedict Cumberbatch, he could be in the movie and we might never know until we actually go to see it. <laughs> but yeah, at this point, it certainly seems like that report was off base. And then I'll look like the idiot for doubting it <laughs> and saying all that. Well, we'll all be surprised. We had no way of knowing. <laughs> yeah, and as far as this last question, we kind of 
answer that too with the previous comment as far as what we think the next announcement's going to be besides a trailer or a poster. And again, I just think it's going to be character details, whether it's going to be big or small. I just think some way it's that's going to be the next thing is character details for the casting announcement we got today. Yeah, yeah. And again, I'm I'm sticking my sticking by my prediction that that's going to come um, in probably like one to two weeks, and and right before they start uh, filming. Um, whenever that is, because I don't think we have. Have they? Did they give us an official start date on production? They I feel like maybe May. they actually did. I, I forgot it. No, I don't think they gave an official date yet. But... Or did they just say it's starting in May? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, because I mean, in this press release, JJ Abrams said we start filming in a couple of weeks. So I'd say around that time, um, either the day they start shooting or sometime earlier that week, I think we're going to get um, you know some more of those details. Yeah, with this casting announcement, it fits the pattern where it seems like every month we get one like big announcement for episode seven last month was the shooting announcement and that there will be a trio as part of the new leads. And this month was the casting and hopefully in May we'll get the character details. So hopefully that pattern continues. Yeah, hopefully. Um, and you know, one, one last thing I wanted to mention, um, just about the casting that we didn't really talk about as far as the, the original actors and stuff. Um, so I, I was also surprised to see Kenny Baker's name on the list. Um, you know, playing R2-D2 just because they announced, I mean, it feels like so long ago they announced that R2-D2 was returning, but they didn't mention um, anything about Kenny Baker at all. They just sort of talked about these guys who were fans and they were part of like the R2 Builders Club and had built these really good, you know, complex R2-D2 droids and that they had hired these guys to build like the the functioning R2 robots that they're going to use as part of the film. So I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe he's going to be like completely animatronic this time around and they're not going to actually have somebody in the suit. Um, and so maybe, I mean, I'm sure it's probably just more an issue of sort of like nostalgia and respect to the original actors. And so like, especially if they're going to have Anthony Daniels come back and put on the C-3PO costume, um, you know, maybe at least in a couple of scenes where R2 is not moving around a whole lot, they'll have Kenny Baker sitting inside and, maybe, you know, move them around a little bit or something like that. Um, and then also I'm, I'm actually pretty happy to see Peter Mayhew on here because yeah. I'm sure that's like a huge triumph for him. Um, I don't know if you guys are aware, but he had, I think it was towards the end of last year, he had like a double knee replacement surgery. And uh, there are some guys who started a Kickstarter. It was like a, a film production company. Um, they started a Kickstarter to raise money to do a documentary about it uh, called Standing in the Stars. And they're sort of sort of documenting uh, Peter's whole story and uh, talking about his life and the films he's been in and, um, you know, what it's like living as a guy who's seven foot three. And then, uh, you know, sort of chronicling his journey as he goes through this knee replacement surgery and then going through all the, the rehab and physical therapy and everything to try to gain his mobility back and get back on his feet. And so I'm sure for him to, I mean, I, I don't think it's even been a year since that happened. Um, and I've been like, I donated to this, to this project on Kickstarter. So I've been getting updates and they said, you know, okay, this month he's doing really great this month, not so great. We had a couple of setbacks and yada, yada. And so, I mean, it's really great for me to see that he now has, gotten to a point not just where he can stand up and walk on his own without a cane or a walker or a wheelchair or something like that but that he's mobile enough to go to england and be chewbacca again in the next star wars movie i'm sure is you know a huge triumph for him and um you know i think for for all star wars fans that's just a really great story yeah definitely like you said it's just cool to see him in that photo because when you think about it does he really have to be there for a table reading of the script? Because he's not going to have any dialogue unless Chewie learned how to speak English over the next 30 years. But 
like you said, just cool seeing him there as part of the group and the main cast and that table reading. And there, just like you said, got to be a big triumph for him to overcome the problems he had with his knees, successful in the surgery. So, yeah, just really cool to see him as part of the cast and that table reading group. Yeah, yeah you can't sure. have Chewie in and not be Peter Mayhew. It just, <laughs> it would be a crime. And it's something, if you can't get Peter Mayhew, you can't have Chewbacca in the movie. It's just that simple. Yeah, and, especially especially with Han in the movie as well. Exactly, like, yeah. You know, I, I would have been okay if they had cast somebody else as Chewbacca in Revenge of the Sith because I didn't even necessarily think we really needed to see Chewie in that movie anyways. But I was like, oh, that's Chewie? Okay, cool. I mean, he didn't even necessarily look exactly like he did in um, in the original trilogy. Like, you could kind of tell it was him, but, you know, he, I, I think in an attempt to make him look younger, um, you know, they made him look kind of different. And I was like, okay, well, you know, it's Chewbacca, it's Peter Mayhew, that's cool. But... Um, you know, it wasn't like a hugely exciting part of the movie for me. But when you have, uh, you know, Han and Luke and Leia and R2-D2 and C-3PO coming back, then, yeah, you've got to have Chewbacca coming back alongside those guys. And if it's all the rest of the original cast, then, yeah, it's really great that it's able to be Peter Mayhew filling the Chewbacca costume there with him. And we're geeking out right now about having... Uh, the original cast back in this new movie, but imagine how much we're going to geek out more when we see those first images of Han and Chewie together <laughs> again, man. Oh, It's going to be amazing. I remember getting that cool feeling of seeing Harrison Ford back as Indiana Jones when they were filming Crystal Skull, but seeing Han and Chewie back together again, gee, that's going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know if I'm going to be more excited to see the old characters in their new costumes or to see the new characters in costume. Yeah, for me, I think I'm going to be more excited for seeing the old characters back, especially Luke, Han, and Chewie, and Fred Disleia. <laughs> just, I guess, just the fact that they're back and it's uh, we're seeing Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, and Princess Leia, and Chewbacca again 30 years after Return of the Jedi. And also, too, just curious to see what they're going to look like because we're seeing those movies so many times and the images of Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, Princess Leia are so ingrained into our brain of what they look like. I mean, they're going to look totally different now, <laughs> 30 years later. So I'm just really curious to see about that. But regardless, it's going to be a great feeling and this something that's going to be amazing. Yeah. Either way, it's going to be great. Like you said, um, cause I mean, for me, I guess if anything, I might be more excited to see the new characters just because like you said, we've, we've seen Han and Luke and Leia in costume before a hundred times. And, um, you know, so when we know that those actors are coming back, it's easy for us to picture them in that universe. Whereas for the new character, you know, for the new actors, it's like, um, you know, it, it's great that we know who they are now. And, you know, especially for people who've seen any of their other work before, it's like you, you know who these guys are and you know that they're going to be in star Wars, but then like, seeing John Boyega in a Jedi robe for the first time, I'm going to be like, okay, cool. Now I know he's not just like one of the new actors who's in star Wars. Like that's a new star Wars character. And I'm really excited to see it, but I'm also excited to see the original actors in costume again, because I think for a long time, like when they said they were going to make a new star Wars movie, kind of just the, the image that popped into my head and it probably wasn't even conscious that I was doing this, but I was just sort of picturing like Han and Luke and Leia, just sort of in their traditional costumes, I guess. Um, you know, I probably picture like Luke, you know, with, with gray hair or whatever, like Mark Hamill, how he looks older now, but in the the black outfit that he's wearing in Return of the Jedi. And I picture Han wearing the white shirt and the black vest and everything. And Leia, I don't know, I guess 
as an older Leia, I probably maybe picture her wearing that outfit that she wears on Bespin, where it's sort of like the dress with the little jacket over it kind of thing. Mm. Um, but I'm like, and then at some point it kind of hit me. I'm like, yeah, you have no idea what they're going to look like in this movie. And I mean, we saw a picture. There were some pictures going around on the internet where people were like, oh, Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford have been spotted in London. Um, and this was before the casting announcement. So it was like, oh, this sort of proves that they're going to be or it's, it's further evidence that they're going to be in the movie and we might be getting a casting announcement soon and they're there for this big table read and yada yada. But there was a picture of Mark Hamill and also uh, Peter Serafinowicz, who does the voice of Darth Maul in episode one. He dubbed over the lines for uh, Ray Park. But um, it was, you know, a picture of those two together and Mark Hamill's got a beard and I was like, oh, cool, he's kind of rocking the Obi-Wan Kenobi Jedi Master <laughs> beard thing going on there. So, yeah, I mean, having completely new looks for those characters is going to be exciting, too. So I'm just excited to see all of it. You know, I I want to see first I want descriptions of who all the new characters are, but then I want to see pictures of all of them. And, uh, you know, that should be pretty awesome. Yeah. So that's officially, I think, the next thing to be excited about images and character details now that we got the casting. Yeah, we'll see. I would expect the character details first. I don't know when we're going to get images first. Um, I think maybe at this point I'm just trying not to be too greedy. I'm like, look how long it took us to get a casting announcement. So, you know, I don't want to say like, okay, in two weeks we're going to get character details. And then the week after that, we're going to get pictures. Cause then, you know, I could be waiting for months, but um, you know, whenever those do come, I'll be really excited to see them. Oh yeah. No doubt about that there. I just really hope it's that like I said before, follows that pattern of each month we get something for episode seven. That's a, maybe a bigger update and maybe one month a smaller update, but just something that kind of keeps us talking and keeps us going as far as updated episode seven news. That'd be at least I think the smart way to go about it, which so far it looks like they're doing. Yeah, well, we will have to uh, just wait and see when we get our next bit of news and uh, you know see what those updates bring. And of course, we'll just keep getting more and more excited for the movie. But uh, before we wrap up, let's end with some Star Wars Rebels news. Um, first of all, I mean, we're not going to really go into this in detail, but, uh, Dave Filoni recently did a long interview, uh, over at IGN and, uh, you know, talking about everything from, uh, Clone Wars and how that ended to Rebels and what we can expect from that series and how they're dealing with sort of fan skepticism and the difference in tone between Rebels and Clone Wars and how, um, you know, people were skeptical of Clone Wars at the beginning too, and hopefully they were going to win them over with, you know, the fact that it's, uh, sort of going back to the classic Star Wars and, um, you know, again, I mean, Tim, we've talked about this a lot, but how, um, you know, there are some fans that seem to be more skeptical of Rebels because they've said it's going to be sort of lighter in tone and they're like, oh, no, we want Clone Wars back and we want the darker stuff and Dark Maul chopping people's heads off and all that kind of thing. But, um, you know, Dave Filoni just sort of reaffirms our sentiment in here that just because it's lighter in tone doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be you know, totally aimed at little kids. It's going to be just sort of like the same lighthearted action adventure, sort of thrilling, fast paced type stuff that you see in the original trilogy. So um, I still, you know, we've said it before. I'll say it again. I don't think there's really any reason to be skeptical of rebels. I mean, maybe some reason just because obviously with any new show, you never really know how good it's going to be until you sit down and watch it. But yeah. um, you know, hopefully a lot of people end up being willing to give the show a chance. And I'm hoping that once we finally see it and see the finished product on screen, it's going to be, you know, just as good, hopefully just as good as Clone Wars was, even if it's not, then, you know, hopefully it's still good and enjoyable. And uh, I know a lot of people, like there are some people who are skeptical about it, but I know there are also a lot of people who are really excited to, um, you know, not only be seeing new Star Wars content, but, but be seeing a return to uh, 
the time period closer to episode four where we're going back to the Empire and Stormtroopers and TIE Fighters and Rebels and all that kind of stuff. So should be a lot of fun. Yeah, and it's a great interview to me, too, if you have the chance to check it out over at IGN. I just like what you were talking about, Dave, response when he was talking about some fans' skepticism about uh, Rebels and how uh, he kind of had the same thing with Clone Wars. And then when Clone Wars got canceled, he like had this whole outpour of like love and support for the show. Like, why is it getting canceled? He's like, well, like, where did this come from? This isn't the same <laughs> response the show had for when it first started with the movie. So like, he's well... Uh, familiar with this type of thing from fans and like you said just hopefully it'll kind of be the same thing with rebels with clone wars turn those skeptics around and have them become fans of the show because i agree with what you said even though it's being described as lighter in tone doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be more kid-friendly or just like it's going to ignore the adult fans like like you said it's supposed to be closer to the time frame of a new hope and that's the tone i'm expecting it to be because a new hope while it does have some uh like I wouldn't even necessarily call them dark moments, but some, I guess, adult theme or intense moments, they were there. But I wouldn't necessarily call that a dark movie. Like you said, it's just a fun adventure film. So I'm expecting the same thing with Rebels. And hopefully the skepticism will stop once uh, we see the first few episodes. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I would say of all the Star Wars movies, A New Hope has... It, it's got to be probably like the one... Maybe aside from Phantom Menace, it's probably the one that's the most sort of lighthearted and yeah. and most light in tone. I mean, all the other movies have been either rated PG or Revenge of the Sith was PG-13. And A New Hope was going to be rated G until they added the shot of uh, Uncle Owen and Aunt Peru smoking corpses. Like, that's the only reason that movie's rated PG. So, obviously, you know, at the time, people thought it was, you know, for kids and family-friendly and everything. But still, I mean there are plenty of adults who can still watch it now and enjoy it. And there's lots of great action scenes and it's fun and it's exciting. And for a lot of people, it's still one of their favorite star Wars movies. So, and if that's the tone they're going for, I don't think there's anything to be worried about. Exactly. It's because to me, it's kind of view it where people who are, or skeptical about it because it's going to be too light in tone. It's almost like you're saying, well, I don't really like the tone of A New Hope because that's the vibe I'm getting from everything I'm seeing of Rebels. It's going to be more like A New Hope. So, again, hopefully it'll be a turnaround once the series premieres. And once the series ends, it'll be like Clone Wars where it'll just get nothing but love and support from the fans. Yeah, and, you know, I don't think it's people consciously saying, like, no, I don't want it to be more like A New Hope. I think it's just a knee-jerk reaction from people when they hear that, um, you know, as soon as you have something like Clone Wars where it was pretty light in tone in the earlier seasons. And, you know, especially for the older fans, I mean, Ahsoka being real bratty and the the battle droids with all their sort of clumsy humor and everything could get kind of grating sometimes. And then by the end of the show, it gets more mature and you've got, um, you know, all the stuff with Ahsoka becoming a more mature character to the point where she's able to walk away from the Jedi Order and you've got Darth Maul coming back and going on a violent rampage and, I mean, all the other stuff that's going on. I mean, the show obviously got a lot more mature and a lot more dark and intense and then for them to to cancel that show and say, okay, we're going to something more light in tone. I can understand the knee-jerk reaction from people to go, oh, no, this is going to suck. Like, they're making it more for kids and it got bought by Disney and this is just going to be, you know, a kiddie Disney show and everything. Um, but I, I feel like we've seen enough of it now that, you know, if you do your research and you don't just sort of jump to conclusions, but you hear what Dave Filoni has to say about it, or you, um, you know, watch the character videos and hear what the voice actors have to say about it, or you see the the glimpses of footage that we've seen so far. And yeah, once you, once you realize that, sure, this might be a bit more lighthearted than Clone Wars, but that it still seems like a perfectly fitting 
uh, tone for Star Wars and that it fits right in with that tone of A New Hope, I think hopefully people are going to uh, change their minds about it and uh, find that they really enjoy it. Yeah, and I think it will. Yeah, but uh, so there's that interview. It's like, you know, four pages and it's, I mean, I always love reading these interviews with Dave Filoni. So uh, you guys can go check that full thing out if you want to. It's over on IGN. We've got links to it on our uh, on our Twitter page. Um, and then there was some Star Wars or some more Star Wars Rebel stuff that came out today. Um, so it was a, a pretty big day for Star Wars news altogether because, um, of course, we got the uh, the Rebel or the Episode Seven casting announcement uh, this morning, and then later in the afternoon we got um, some Rebel stuff. Uh, first of all, we've got on USAToday.com they posted an interview with uh, Tia Surkar, and it's not super long, but you know she's talking about. Um, just sort of uh, her character Sabine and how she likes playing that character and uh, just sort of how she's gotten more involved in Star Wars and um, learned more about the lore and the mythology and everything if, as she's uh, gotten into it. And it's not super long, obviously, you know, it's not like four pages long like the Dave Filoni article is, but um, you can uh, go check that out if you want to, um, you know, take a read on that. It's, uh, you know, a pretty good read. It's fun to read and uh, just see... Um, how all the people behind the scenes on this thing are just huge Star Wars fans and uh, and loving what they're doing. Um, but also this in, this article's got a couple new images with it. Um, one that's got uh, some stormtroopers firing blasters, and it looks like there's some captive Wookiees behind them. Um, and then there's also a pretty cool image of Sabine, and it's like nighttime, and she's standing on, you know, maybe on some sort of platform or something, uh, just sort of looking over this Imperial landing zone where there's a bunch of TIE fighters that she's probably about to blow up. So um, it's a pretty cool looking image, just seeing sort of the profile of the Mandalorian armor from behind and getting a good look at these TIE fighters is pretty sweet. Yeah, and I love the image with the Stormtroopers. I mean, this is our first look of seeing them in a final shot of what they're going to be in the series, and I think they look awesome. I just love the detail that's on their armor. I mean, you can see how shiny they are and the reflection that's coming off their helmets and armor. I just think they look really cool. And then it should be a pretty cool battle sequence because it looks like they have some Wookiees captive and maybe some members of the Ghosts are going to try to free them and maybe they'll hopefully get them out. <laughs> so not all that. If we're talking about being lighter in tone, I mean, we'll see if any Wookiees get caught in the crossfire or anything happens to them. But um, it definitely looks like a cool sequence. And I'm just really happy with how the Stormtroopers look. I think they look awesome. I just can't wait to see them actually moving in action, which is going to be pretty soon, just a few days from now, because it also got announced that we're going to get the full, first full-length trailer for Star Wars Rebels on May the 4th. I believe these two images were from that trailer, so... I think we should be seeing that Stormtrooper shot and the shot of Sabine in the trailer. And just going off these two images, man, I can't wait to see it. And just to finally get our first really good look at the characters, the animation, some, I guess, the, like I said, the Stormtroopers, seeing how they look in full animation. It's just going to be awesome, and I can't wait for it. And the fact that it's going to be on May the 4th is just another great Star Wars thing to look forward to this week after getting the awesome news of Episode 7 casting just a few days ago, the EU, the EU news announcement. So, like, the next few, those last couple of days have been such an awesome time for Star Wars news that I'm just glad that there's one more thing to look forward to before the week's over. Yeah, definitely, especially because, I mean, like I said, me and a whole lot of other people were predicting that we would get the casting announcement on May 4th, and we got that sooner, but there's still plenty of announcements and news and stuff to come and we're still going to get um some really exciting star wars news on uh on may 4th so um and you know there, there's even like a few other events and stuff going on and we've got uh, links to some other stuff on our website and on our twitter feed and stuff like that 
Um, and of course, you know, if you guys are just around the internet on different Star Wars sites, you'll see plenty of different stuff happening on May the 4th. But for me, this is the big one. Like, we finally get <laughs> a, a full-length Rebels trailer. And I don't know how long it's going to be, but uh, they're saying that ABC's Good Morning America where it will air a 30-second sneak peek of the trailer for Rebels. Um, and I think that's on Friday, but I'm not exactly sure. But yeah. this trailer is going to hit the internet um, at 12.01 Pacific uh, you know, so just after midnight uh, Pacific time on that Sunday morning. So um, that's nice to know, you know, it'll be up right then. I know I will, you know, I'm not going to wait till Sunday morning to wake up and watch it. I'm going to be up at 12.01 watching that thing uh, probably oh, yeah. like six or seven times. But, uh, you know, the, just the fact that we're getting a 30-second sneak peek of it, so you know it's going to be longer than 30 seconds. You know, it's not going to be just another 30-second teaser like we've uh, seen so far. Um, but... Yeah, who knows? It'll be anywhere from like a minute to three minutes or something. But hopefully there's a lot of good, you know, cool looking footage in there and we'll get a good long look at what we can expect from the show. And this is one of those things where it's good to be on the West Coast where those on the East Coast have to wait till 3 a.m. But <laughs> for 12 a.m., like after Saturday night, I think most fans will be up to see that trailer. But yeah. even if I was on the East Coast and it was 3 a.m., I'd still be up <laughs> or try to stay up to see that trailer. I don't think I'd be able to wait for the next morning or something like that. Those things, when there's new Star Wars content coming, I barely sleep that night anyway, so <laughs> I might as well be up and watch it. But yeah, it's going to be cool to see that trailer that night or early morning, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Looking forward to being, I think it's going to be a fairly good length, probably maybe two minutes or maybe close to two minutes, maybe not too much longer than two minutes. I don't think it's going to be three minutes or anything like that, but I think it's going to be a fairly good length. That's going to give us uh, plenty to talk about on our next episode, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, yeah, see, I don't know if this is a trailer just for the first one-hour special um, or if it's, you know, sort of a, a trailer that encompasses, like, the whole first season. Um, although I doubt they've got the entire first season done yet. But, you know, showing um, sort of what's coming up at the beginning of the first season. Like the previews we used to get for Clone Wars where, you know, I, I don't know if this will be like a season one trailer or if it'll just be a trailer for that premiere special. Um, and, see, we're still not sure. Hopefully when we get the trailer. In fact, you know what? I bet when we when we see this full-length trailer, I bet we will finally get a, an air date. Um, you know, maybe they'll just stick that on the end of the trailer. That's what I'm hoping. Um, yeah, that's but, <laughs> Yeah, we still don't know when that's coming in this article on uh, USA Today. It says, um, you know, they're going to air a 30-second sneak peek of the trailer for Rebels, which is slated to debut as a one-hour special this fall on Disney Channel with an animated series to follow on Disney XD. And we've heard reports that, you know, the one-hour special was supposed to air over the summer. So did it get pushed back to fall? Is this just inaccurate information? Is this just speculation on the reporter's part because we still don't have a confirmed release date? I don't know, but hopefully that'll all be uh, be put to rest when we finally see this full-length trailer. Yeah, just have it after the very last shot. Every almost every Star Wars or Clone Wars trailer ended with like a shot with the stars in the background, with like coming soon or premiering this fall. And hopefully for this Rebels trailer, it'll say premiering on this particular date, whatever that date is. Yeah, a nice exactly. way to cap it off. Yeah, because then we also don't know. I mean, if this one-hour special is coming out in the fall. Um, I'm wondering, like, is it going to come out before or after the uh, the Rebels novel that we were talking about, A New Dawn, because that comes out September 14th. So it would be kind of cool to be able to read that book, like, before seeing the series, um, because, you know, just to sort of get that backstory, and you'll have that once you're, you know, going into watching the full series. But at the same time, I'm like, they said it was going to, that the one-hour special was going to air in the summer, so I hope we don't have to wait till September to watch it, but... 
you know, I don't know. Hopefully we'll get a, a confirmation on that date and then I'll just be ready to watch it whenever it comes out. Oh, yeah. No questions there. I don't think I'm going to be, oh, if it's coming in September, I'm not watching this one-hour special because they made me wait a month longer. <laughs> oh, yeah, obviously. I mean, I might be disappointed that we have to wait longer, but I'm going to watch Heck, if they made us wait two more years, I'd watch it. Yeah. <laughs> I'd complain, but I'd still watch it once it finally got here. <laughs> but I, I still have a feeling, though, it might be late August, maybe like the last week of August, right before it's, it technically hits like September, which is always considered part of the fall, or even... Before the official fall date, which is what September twentieth, September twenty first, when fall begins, so maybe it will still be early September, still considered summer. Maybe they're going to go that route. But yeah, I well, still think it might. Maybe it might be a tie-in type thing where the new dawn comes out the same uh, week that the movie or the one-hour special is going to premiere. Because uh, I know they usually like to do tie-ins like that, but maybe, like you said, just to kind of give a little lead-in to have a week or two in advance to read the book and then to see the one hour premiere special would make sense too. So I just think it won't be too long after that book comes out. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I, I also think we might get the one hour special before the book comes out, but I definitely think that book is going to come out before the main series starts mm. to air. Um, especially because I think at least with the first few seasons of Clone Wars, I know they all started like the first week of October. So, yeah. you know, if, if they go by a similar schedule with rebels, I think that would make sense. And like you said, we'd have a couple weeks to read the book before starting the show. Yeah, either way, I won't complain what we get first. Because <laughs> one way you get the book to read, that'll keep you occupied before you get the premiere. But then if you get the actual episodes before the book, the book is just another thing to enhance your viewing as you watch it. So either yeah. way, it's going to be good. Yeah, I'll read the book and then go back and rewatch the episodes exactly, that I yeah. saw before <laughs> I got the book. So, um, But yeah, I mean, that should be uh, you know great to see once we finally get to obviously we're both hugely excited and anticipating the show i know a lot of people are too so um hopefully this trailer will uh, get us even more excited for rebels and for star wars when we get to see it this sunday um but yeah that's pretty much it for us for this week we were uh, closing in on almost another three-hour episode here but um obviously you know a lot of huge news to talk about and it's been really exciting finally getting confirmation on the eu getting the big casting announcement that we've been waiting for forever and then of course looking forward to this rebels trailer so um you know tim any last thoughts before we wrap up yeah uh, just that i'm just super excited for it. this is probably kind of the closest i felt when we first got the episode 7 announcement back in 2012 where i just couldn't believe it was happening that new star wars movies are coming and then it's just, I almost couldn't sleep that night. I almost have that same feeling now where it's going to be, yeah, I can't believe we actually know the cast and the original trilogy cast members are back for a new Star Wars movie. It just seems like a surreal experience for it, and I'm just super pumped right now for it. So, yeah, we'll see if I'm able to sleep tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely it's awesome. It's exciting, and uh, we will keep you guys posted as we find out more and can't wait to get to talk about it and discuss and continue to speculate and theorize and find out who all the characters are going to be and all that fun stuff. Um, thank you to uh, Brian and Dane and Martin and anybody else whose name I'm forgetting, maybe who uh, you know sent in your thoughts uh, via email or on Facebook, on Twitter, anything like that. Um, it's always great to, to hear from you guys and get your feedback on this kind of stuff. Um, especially, you know, with, with the huge news like this, you know, everybody's online talking about it. So it's great to, um, you know, be able to have discussions about it with more people than just Tim and myself. But, um, 
you know, so thank you guys for, for sending in your thoughts. And uh, for the rest of you guys, if you want to send us email, you can email us at starwarstsc at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Star Wars The Saga Continues. You can follow us on Twitter at Star Wars TSC. And that is your best place to go to find the most uh, amount of up to the minute updates. And, uh, you know, usually we find news stories and just, you know, sometimes we'll just retweet them or tweet them out there first and then. Um, you know, Tim will go and make a longer post on the website or something like that. But those are all the ways you can keep in touch with us. Also, if you listen to the show on iTunes and you enjoy listening to us on there, please feel free to go and leave us a positive review. And uh, that's going to do it for us for this week. We will be back sometime, probably soon. I don't know. We might just do another episode next week after the uh, after the Rebels trailer comes out, depending on how excited we are after that. Uh, you know, we try to do episodes about every two weeks or so, but... Um, we did one about a week ago. We're doing one now and we might have to do one in another week if we're just too excited about this Rebels trailer to wait to talk about that. But, (laughs) um, certainly excited to see that and uh, hope you guys all check it out as well and enjoy it as much as we probably will. So we will see you guys next time and thanks for listening and may the fourth be with you. (laughs) See you next time, everybody. (laughs) 